Oh, I can't play audio. That's fine. Let's plug this in for Skype then. Welcome to another edition of the Adam Dunn Show. That was the worst intro ever. Well, we figured out you could smoke with a laser. It took all of our resources. But we did figure out you could smoke with a laser. It didn't take that. How did it taste? Lasery. Did it taste lasery? Very lasery. You, yeah, are you my co-host today? Can I try it? Who are you? Did you, did you, did you, you just said that was the worst intro ever. Oh, yeah. I'm Adam Dunn. <laughs> yeah. And this is the worst intro ever. <laughs> I'm your co-host, Mitch Shinaza. Whoa. And uh, the kid, the kid's not going to be here, so everything's already falling apart. Obviously, I mean the champ's not. The kid's never going to be here again. The champ's not going to be here because so everything's falling apart. I kind of sound like I have an echo on my mic, champ. Can I see your headphones? Yes. Here you go, champ. I'm going to just keep talking. Uh, I'm going to pull up the chat room. I'm smoking with lasers. Adam's smoking with lasers. Uh, it's back to normal. Adam's here again. Oh. Whoa! And Whoa. things are falling everywhere. Yep. Back to normal. Back to normal. I can take my glasses off now. Okay, Doug, can you smoke lasers without it? I wouldn't. I don't think it's smart to. It's not smart to laser smoke without it. Because that protects you. I can shine the laser in your eyes right now and you'd be safe. Yeah, I can't even see the laser now. Can I shine it in your eyes? Yeah, I can't see it. Dude, don't do that. It burns. Don't shine the laser in your eyes. (laughs) All right. See, I had the safety goggles on. It's okay. I think you just can't see it. Wow, shit, I'm blind. Safety goggles are invisible goggles. I'm blind. There you go. Done. That's it. Done Done deal. deal. So, uh, so how's laser weed? I gotta try this. You gotta put the glasses on. Uh, oh, right. I'm talking. Yeah, talking to your mic. I don't know if you ever did a radio show I thought show I wasn't before. supposed to get this close when I, I could talk this close. There you go. Turn me up. Which end is the laser? This I end? I don't know. Shoot in your face. Yeah, shoot in your shoot in your eyes when you can't see it. I don't see it. I haven't hit the button. There you go. There's a laser. It's slow. It's very slow. You gotta go really like. It's not like. It's like, like you're camping. It's like you're camping again. You're camping, magnifying glass, like magnifying glass weed. There it goes. It's going, though. It's crazy, though. It's going. That was Laser like, weed. Oh, my God. I can tell I'm in the future now. I, oh, wow. It's really yeah, terpy I, on the it's end. Smoke, it's smoke. See? And you have smoke. That's the best part. You add smoke. Yeah, you can. Of course you That's can. That's great. So, it burns. Uh, and it burns. You want to try as it? The kid, Here you go, champ. As the kid has... Uh, Insisted we show him on his hand. Testified, too. That was my Christmas gift to myself. I had to had to get something before Christmas. Exactly. Well, yeah, it came two <laughs> days. Your Hanukkah gift you to yourself. Huh? Where did you get this? the internet? Where, where did you get it? What do you think? Where do you get something like that? This really? isn't meant for smoking, though, right? No. Uh, well, obviously, it's yeah. It's meant for smoking. That's that's so many people out there using lasers to smoke daily. Uh, yes. Why would you do uh, that? Why? What are you it's doing? Because like it's just cool. That it's just happen. cool that it burns my skin. Okay, so you want to draw uh, Philly on you? Draw an outline of Philly, exactly on his back. Look at it go! Yeah. Look at it go! He's laser burning. smoking, laser, laser. 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 <laughs> um, so anyway, I came back. For, I, I, I was gone last week. How was your show without me? Was did it, you we held it. To, did you cry? I held it together in the most gorilla fashion possible. I did. I watched it. it was awesome. <laughs> it worked, right? It worked until it fell apart at the end when we tried to bring you on. Can you dab with that? I don't know. Can you put me on your Wi-Fi, bud? Champ, uh, yeah. how much did you get of the of us in the end? Did you actually even see? I saw yeah. you. That was about it. Oh, nobody else saw. No, it. no, it fell did, apart. Wait, could you? Did Couldn't you hear. Nothing. Nothing. Couldn't hear even. It was terrible. Oh man, I'm sorry. 
It was actually it was because it was a perfect. I mean, literally at the moment, when Big we, Buddha walked up. Big Buddha walked up. I had Danny Danko. Yeah, I saw it all. It was great. I, was like, I bet it was a great oh, moment. This is yeah. great. And then everybody was really into time. I was like, oh, I think it's not working anymore. Yeah, yeah it, was oh, one those, it was one of those exact moments where you're like. Yeah, our production level's not as high as we, we, we would hope. We would like it to be. But I had the video production on point. You were crushing it. That's I could actually read stuff. Yeah, it was, was like, like boom. You know, that's oh, that's who he's on? talking to. Oh, my oh God. shit. Yeah, no, it's good. Different angle of the graphics. It was, I was impressed. But, uh, yeah, when I did the, after straight after the Emerald Cup, when you got, you know, you got back here and went straight to D.C., for the uh, High Times business. Uh, so we didn't summit. even do an Emerald Cup recap with you. What did you no. think of Emerald Cup? Oh, it was fucking great. That's basically what I told everybody that I, as I went around, I was like, well, pretty much know my, it's like, it's like when we went to the Arise Festival, we were like, oh, now we kind of know that there's at least one thing that we know we're going to like every year, you know yeah. what I mean? And that was more our family thing, and this is obviously the stoner thing, but I was like, wow, this is definitely Mecca for stoners as far as like... For just, growers more than smokers, or yeah, obviously yeah. all smokers, but you know, but growers. growers yeah, yeah, growers for sure, and it was like, you know, pretty much the most... You know, kind of the coolest group of people, and like like you guys were saying, Bodie was awesome to meet, and uh, just to see everybody kind of on a downer, downward the hype like wasn't too. There's no hype, yeah, because no you know, need, it was no so need quiet. It wasn't, yeah, yeah, yeah. There was no need for hype. I mean, there was music and there was things, going but it was on. separate too. It wasn't like every booth had bah, 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 bah. Yeah, exactly. It wasn't. There was no. Uh, I didn't see anybody shooting. Things into the crowd. I don't think there was no, there was no money being shot into the crowd. Zero dollars <laughs> were shot into the crowd. No, so uh, no, I liked it. It was definitely a great event. Um, I got back to them right away too. Like, hey, I want to come next year. You, you know? did. You, you got oh, back to them for sure. Good. Well, and what is going on here? Hold on, hold on. Oh, I know man. that confuses you. Confusion. We got it. Fusion. Okay, we're fixed. But uh, it was a good. No, it was definitely a great event. Well, I think we we managed to get a lot done in a short amount of time. The shows were really good. Yeah. I, how, how was the response to the shows? Uh, I don't know. I mean, Check always, our, always our off shows like that are kind of weird because yeah. it's, like, it's not a weekly. No, but they got typical. Like the Frenchie show got a typical viewership. I thought that was a great Frenchie show. Frenchie part was awesome. That was a great show. It was like, it's those little moments, you know what I mean? Where you're like, oh. And, and you get, but the best part was like I looked over at Gabby and Gabby had this look on his face like, oh my. Like, he couldn't believe it. Then later he told me, he's like, that guy Frenchie, man. I was like, yeah, he's pretty interesting, right? He's, yeah. like, he's like, yeah, I was just, you should have him on the show every week. I was yeah. like, yeah, we're definitely going to get him on more because he... Uh, it's better in person, though. It is true. Yeah, well, yes. next time he's in Denver, obviously, yeah, yeah. we'll get him on the show. And next time we just happen to be anywhere, we'll just keep our we'll Frenchie just, yeah, yeah. radar going. And when he's yeah. around, good to see Rob Clark, of Can course. Can we make him wear a beret? We could. Yeah. And smoke a really long thing like that. Yeah. 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 Is that racist, kid? It's not racist. <laughs> to tell a French, to have a French guy wear a beret is racist. Yes. Okay. It's not racist, but it's, 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 it's countryist. It's yeah. countryist. It's very, very technical. Technical. Thank you. Thanks, Thank you. kid. Thanks for thanks for setting me straight, buddy. But Jam. overall, I mean, it was, you know, the best part about D.C., I think, is just the funny part of being back on that whole, like, oh, they're smoking weed. You know what I mean? It was, like, totally. You said there was weed smoking everywhere the D.C. Everywhere, yeah. Everywhere. Everyone was cool. I think, I think the East Coast is finally kicking it up a notch where they're, like, as I've been reading about New York, too, where, I mean, obviously. We've yeah, there have been all these York, articles. But now yeah. it's, like, 
just normal people smoking on the street. Like, hey, this is what I do. I come down from my office and I smoke a joint. What's the problem? What do you? Hey, what do you want to do about it, Big Wood? But I mean, that's uh, so that was kind of fun, you know. But it was it's like DC is such a weird place for me. It's like one of the, it's definitely the belly of the beast. You know what I mean? You're like, did you get that feeling? Do you have that course. feeling there even at the smoking weed at the weed convention? Well, the weed convention was at. It wasn't the weed convention. It was the, the weed business convention. It was the cannabis business. Sure. Summit. <laughs> it was the summit of Gazi was there, put it that way. Yeah, that's that, how that's the level we were at. This is the peak. <laughs> the peak. peak the, yeah. Really the apex of both cannabis and business. business. Once you see Gazi when, rolling through, you know you're at you the, know business it's the summit. summit. The it's summit. The summit. Yes. The highest the point. Peak, the peak. Yeah. Um, the highest point you're gonna reach. <laughs> but in general, uh yeah, no, it was it was it was a small show. There were some guys that I met which I'm gonna get on the show I think in mid mid January. Plasma were, guys. Plasma guys. They were what gonna, do they do? They do plasma water, and it, it sounded pretty interesting. It was like similar to what Two was doing with with electric at the root zone, interesting. But um, you know, had all the same sort of benefits as far as uh, pest resistance and keeping your pH stable, and it had a lot of. It was definitely an interesting. So they were engineering water somehow. Yeah, and they were definitely geeked out to the max, which was awesome, and they were. The kid, the main kid, the Russians actually, right? A bunch of Russian kids. Do they have Russian accents? No. Can Russian we get names. them to wear Russian hats? Like I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll try. We I mean, make you we make them wear Russian Yeah, we could probably get them to wear especially in January. Yeah, yeah. Um, but in general, especially they in January. they uh, no, they definitely were. It was pretty funny too because one kid was standing by the booth and I'm talking to somebody else about lighting and I'm talking and I'm telling them you know the, about ceramic metal halides and I'm telling them about plasma. And when I mentioned plasma, the kid like kind of points at his little thing on his like, plasma, plasma. I'm like, oh, and I thought he was plasma light guy, but he was actually a plasma right. water guy. And you know, I'm all so about you just the, want to have plasma light, plasma water. Well, you know, I'm all about weed. The, you know, I'm all about the ozone water too, which is yeah. like, and this is almost very similar idea, kind of like sure. running electricity through it and you know charging it properly. And it was so there. And I, I see the benefit on all of it, and the th- good part is that these guys. Are obviously not they're not really grower growers but they're tech guys right. and their stuff looked you would love it because it was like full-on ghostbuster stuff what's that the everything they had nothing was their like gear tight. nothing was like you know oh. finished and polished and you could it was like bolt together oh yeah there's the thing here it's going through the electricity you could see things happening you know what i mean so i had that whole like oh yeah this yeah, is yeah. science project gone I love that. yes exactly that's why i wanted to get them on the show they were supposed to come but then they got um i guess they had stopped at customs because they had no, a thing that no, looked no, like no. a bomb they got, they got they got stood up uh by two growers who were supposed to come they were supposed to come out here to demonstrate for growers and bring the units out, but then they thought, well, if they're not going to be demonstrating it, it's a bit rough. No point. Travel all the way here just for our show. Where are your laser goggles? Did the kid take them for his motorcycle? Oh, yeah. Laser goggles. I don't have a lighter, so we're, yeah, we're, we're smoking laser, right now. We're on laser go- I have a lighter right here, but if you... Uh, no, you like laser goggles. goggles. Yeah. Um, so the, the, the show was small for sh- uh, by show standards, maybe 60 booths there. Um, those plasma guys were there. I liked their stuff. And then these other guys, which we have some giveaways today, which we're going to do later in the show. But this is a stash tray. Um, magnetic, which is cool. We love magnets, of course, too. Lasers and magnets, pretty much. Um, this is a, a sort of the intro level, they were calling it. And they asked, it was like the science fair episode. <laughs> exactly. And they had what they had, which was really cool, is they had um, something similar to this, but it was all designed in a book. Oh, those were the guys with the gold book you were talking about. Yeah, and about. they had like, 
you know, it didn't really look like a book, too. It's kind of a combo. It's like a rubber, rubber-paged book thing, black and silver. It looks really techy. Futuristic. But pretty much everything in it, you open it up, it's got the same sort of style as this, plus more. Did you open that up for the camera, or you just held up the box? I just held up the box. We can open it up. I yeah, I think we should open it up, see what it looks like, because I can't. It looks can't like a surgical it. tray with jars on it. I can't it. fathom it. I don't want to wreck the box. Don't bro. wreck the box. Oh, God. Oh, God. So, here, here's a... No, tape's not really working. Oh, here we go. Here we go. But these kids are really good. I like you want to use a laser? I could have done that, actually. That would have been smart, huh? Should have done that. Laser cut. But it looks yeah, pretty cool. Comes with, Styly. Comes with... Mag- Look, it looks like... A we're, we're figuring this out for the first time. Boom. Boom. Now when someone wins it, they'll know what they're getting. It's going to be someone who always wins. So okay, there's a jar with a magnet, yeah? So you have a magnet oh, at the bottom. Oh, cool. And then boom. Well, you can go to space. This is good for space. It's, it's probably with this, this and that. Yeah, between this and this. Take that to Star Wars. We can go to space now. We can actually smoke We're ready. Space. We're ready to go. Now yeah. that they got figured that thing out with the rocket. Now, wow, it's ridiculous. It all the same with, do you see what they did? I, I thought, I was like, did they just do the film backwards or something? Because yeah, I was like, what? Is, that is not possible. Oh, it's possible. Oh, fucking Elon Musk is the dude, isn't he? Yep. I mean, I was like actually. Imagine if he produced the show. I was more, yeah, I know. I was m- more impressed with that than almost anything technological in the last forever almost. Because that's almost how rock, that's how they showed it back in the 50s. When it didn't happen, you know. When like, it was supposed to work. Well, yeah, just like that's how the rockets on and the fake moon landing crap that they do and stuff. And then you'd see that and you'd be like, "All right, now that is ridiculous because that's not even in outer space where it's anti gravity. That's like coming down. It's regular, perfect physics, just dude. Like, wow. Yeah, it was really cool. Impressive. Impressive. And then they can reuse that thing. And I know. now space travel is a hundred times cheaper. So now it only costs like a billion dollars to go to space. <laughs> So we'll give that away a little later, and then also he gave me one of these eat pen. He gave me a pen. Pen. Uh, if you don't have a pen, you should have a pen. Yeah. Everyone should have a pen. So we have the, the what's it called? Mister. It's Mister, and this is the Slick. The Slick. Mister Slick. Mister Slick. Slick. We call that Mister Slick. So we'll figure out some. We'll figure out some sort of crazy thing. By the how are we going to do this? I don't know. We're going to figure it out. Are we going to have Skype today? Well, Skype for callers or Skype for, Skype for callers? Well, yeah, we can get calls. Okay, so that might be the way to do it down the show. We'll figure it out. We don't know how we're going to win this, but you're going to win this. Get excited. There's a dispensary that wants to sponsor the show. And here's some of the, the winning. This is some of the winning weed from the Emerald Cup. Did you have any when you last week when you guys? Did no, I did not. You did no. not. I did not. He gave you the jar, and we didn't. This was the. Uh, the I'm still wearing these fucking glasses. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty cool when you wear them. Huh? Yeah, no, definitely no, do not drive with those. Like, oh man, you'd be like I'm, going through red lights. Like I was chilling out, going, "Oh, Red World's pretty cool. Let me see this weed. Oh, it looks weird. It's totally red, bro. Yeah. Bro, cherry limeade to the max. Come at me, bro. Come at me, bro. <laughs> These are total bro, bro glasses right here too. Yeah, like these. Yeah, this is like like instant bro. I mean, this is, so you have the other entries too, right? I have the entries here. Yeah, I mean the, the comparison is vast. The differences between this and some of the entries—it's so much better. Yeah, but well, there's some that I don't even know why they made it to the top fifty. I can't even. Yeah, imagine. there is definitely. Some, I mean, there are probably some in the six hundred that were really bad. There must have been some terrible weed in those lower brackets. Yeah. Like number 600. Mm, pretty bad. Pretty bad weed. Pretty red. Pretty red weed. <laughs> uh, man, the red. So uh, what do you got lined up for today? We got a aficionado. 
Who's that? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> That's who's weed we're smoking. The on. winners. Yeah, you got you got. Uh, Me and Jim. Hopefully, got, well, we got Leo and okay, L. Cool. I think we'll be calling in to talk about. The history and the genetics they're running and stuff like that. Nice. Well, that's good because I think a lot of people are going to need to. This is, I'll be very informed after this because I, I had no inkling of the last. Because this one thing about going to the show is like, wow, this, a lot of stuff's been going on that we haven't been paying attention yeah. to. And, it's a whole uh, different circuit. Yeah, exactly. And these guys have been crushing it year after year now. Yeah, we so. met other people that we met that I forgot to mention, like Coastal Genetics. They mm-hmm. were really cool. Did you get in touch? Did you get that guy's contact info? I did. I have a card. Great. For sure. Yeah, they were great. Um, uh, they were sharing a booth with some, with they had JJ at their booth. Were they at the, yeah. his booth or next to them? I couldn't quite tell. It was all he was of, at their booth. Okay, was it was kind of booth. hard to tell at some of those spots <laughs> who was what. Yeah, it was a little. It felt like uh, like the markets in Blade Runner to some extent. Like you're standing in the mud and it's all dull roar. Yeah, everyone more rain. Yeah, rain. Yeah, nice Blade Runner. That's what. That's exactly what I thought. What's that? Not good. That one's in the not good. Zoo pretzels. Ooh, yeah, that's bad. Yeah, zoo, zoo pretzels all the way. <laughs> it was nice meeting a bunch of people there at the show that listened to the show, which was awesome. Yeah, the, I feel like a higher concentration. Like at, at, in NorCal? Yeah. In the normal cups, I feel like one in however many, what, whatever percentage of the people there listen to the show. But right. this one, I feel like a higher percentage of the show, people there definitely listen to the show. And it was hoodlum mania. I couldn't believe it. it was yeah. Like, I, we were doing a hunting hoodlum campaign now, which is, you know, take photos of people wearing hoodlums and post them up on our on our social media stuff. And I was like, I couldn't turn around without having. I was like, God, I could keep pulling this thing out every five seconds. But then, of course, had to explain to everybody why I'm taking their photo because people get a little paranoid when they see people just randomly taking yeah. photos. <laughs> this one dude is walking around walking taking around, pictures, taking photos of everybody. But yeah, no, it was uh, it was cool to meet people. And, and I mean, some of the people I met were like, you know, dealing with CC, you know, getting their gear. So it was like kind of nice to get that customer satisfaction yeah, of knowing yeah. that you know we took care of it, it wasn't just. Random, but then it was they didn't buy it from Nordstrom or something. Well, that'd be nice if they bought it from Nordstrom. But in even like Tim Blake was wearing hoodlum, and it was like you do realize that's my company, right? It's like, it, which was awesome because he, you know, uh, he's going to do the Emerald Cup hoodlums. Yeah, I hope so. I mean, that was the idea. He was wearing an emerald green hoodlum. I mean, you can't get much better than that. Right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's so great. what else we got? We got. So what else we got besides aficionado? That's it, man. That's it. That's it. We're, we're running the whole. We're running the gamut with aficionado. Well, I got news, news, news. We're gonna do a real show for the first time in a while. Wow, first time, first time. So uh, I want to see who else we got. I think I had somebody else too. The plasma laser. I know plasma they're gang. Coming. They're not plasma gang. They might be listening though. They said he was listening to the last couple episodes. Plasma gang, if you're listening, Skype in. Let's see this plasma power. Yeah, you I want to see your steampunk machine. And what is the number if they wanted to call in? And is well, it hooked up? No. Yeah, it's hooked up. Oh, okay. What's the yeah, number? Yeah. You can call in at 720-310-8237. See, I always get the You can Skype in at Adam Dunshaw. I always get 8293 for some reason. Don't call that number. This is not good. Not good. See, it got worse, though, because it's been sitting around. It's traveled a lot, too. Some lot of it's of better. Some of it's better. Yeah? It's like cured out more. Well, a week, a week and a half cure extra in plastic. <laughs> it helped it out a lot. It really, it's breathe, it breathes. It, it went up. It, it definitely traveled. That's for sure. These are all what are you categorizing them or just saying yes, Ish. no, yes, no. The further away is the less I want it. Yeah, there's some. These ones are good. Cedar woody smells in this one. Yeah. But the, uh, the oh, this is that one that we kind of liked that little background. Yeah. Yeah, there's some good ones. 
Dead air. Put that one. Put that oh, one on the good sorry, pile. Sorry, I know where the good piles were. This line is pretty much the line that separates stuff I want to smoke and stuff I don't want to smoke. Gotcha. So that's roughly how I got it going here. So yeah, we got a aficionado coming on. I don't know what else happened in DC. You want a big award, big and fancy? <laughs> yeah, I can like I guess you laugh about that one. Big, yeah, fancy, no. Definitely not fancy. prestigious. Uh, maybe. Sure. That's to be determined. You're the you're the what you're the leading Trailblade. expert in cannabis business. Uh, yeah, we got actually it was interesting. It became a consultancy award all of a sudden. Consulting, you're the best consultant in the world. Pretty much. Well, no, I'm in the top five, I guess, according to them. Top five weed consultants in the world. Yeah. Not breathing. No. no I, I, and somehow I didn't get the, that way. It was it was it was a bit of a debacle there. Debacle. Yes. But apparently, I was supposed to get the TH seeds. I was supposed to get the award, but somehow, in the end, it shifted. There was no clothing one for Hoodlum. No, it was. It was very. I mean, I'd have to say it was a very corporate-minded kind of award thing. Definitely, definitely participation award feeling going on there. I was like, was like, wait a minute. So who are these guys? So it was like little league soccer stuff. It was a lot of little league. Yeah, it was definitely little league soccer trying to get into the big world. And before they could go to the big world, they got to get their their award. So, yeah, I don't know. I was, you know, I was impressed with the fact that people fucking traveled all the way from Europe to get this, you know, award. And at the end of the day, it was done a little bit, just pushed through a little too quick. It was, felt real weird, you know. Didn't feel oh, like the one it. thing that was interesting, I have to say, uh, my table, table four. Table four? We kicked ass, dude. We were the shit. I feel like RoboCop with these on. Total RoboCop, yeah. You know, or like Cyclops from X-Men. Sorry. We, we managed to uh, be the, the bad boys of the... High Times crew. What'd you do? Just blazed at our table. We didn't care. We were like, we're, we're at High Times event. We don't care if we're in the Holiday Inn or whatever it was. In Washington, D.C. Oh, Hilton, actually. Sorry. The presidential Hilton swag or whatever. It was like, yeah, we're smoking. And So who else was at your table smoking with you just in the hall, in the Hilton in Washington, D.C.? Oh, we had the guys from, uh, from uh, uh, what should we call it here, from fucking... Uh, People from Colorado <sighs> smoke everywhere. My brain would just die. Incredibles? No. Um, no, we didn't get to hang out with our friends. That was, it was one of those deals. I was the last one in the room. So I was like, oh, where's my table? Where do I go? And I was like, oh, you just oh. sit wherever, you know? And they already started the thing, and I'm looking around for a spot. <laughs> so I finally <laughs> find a spot. But it was the guys from... I'm not going to remember uh, it. R- Rioja's old crew. What's it called? Uh, Phil, Phil. Oh, Phil's old crew. TR Concentrates? No, or the other the, one. The mind, mindful. Mindful, yeah. Yeah. That, the owner... The guy and the girl. Okay, so the mindful, yeah, 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 them, and then, oh, actually, it was really cool. It was a bunch of podcasters at our table. Oh, Three, that's cool. It was me and two other podcasters, and so it was kind of like were their podcasts good? We're gonna have to listen to them. Like, well, did we get a podcasting award? Is that what you're about to tell me? Yeah, we did actually. So, yeah, yeah. No, they didn't give out podcast awards, but one of the things he was that guy was definitely. They were deep in it, you know what I mean? They, they, that's their whole... They knew the podcasting stuff better. Yeah, they were on What'd point. they think of live stream? Aficionado. Uh, just tried to call, I think. Oh, they're, they're a little ahead of the game. A little minutes. ahead of the game. That's all right. Ten more minutes. Um, you want to do news news news? I got them. Sure. But the they, they had their shit dialed up as far as like, you know, we started talking about YouTube channels and I was like, yeah, you know, we're not really big fans of YouTube because they don't, they don't really... It's kind of like we don't really want to have to be under their rules if we're not going to be able to uh, get some sort of sponsorship or whatever. And he's like, no, that's not exactly how it all, you know, he, he had some insight. He knew it. Oh, yeah, he's like, no, we're, we, 
have been doing this for a long time, and there is definitely ways to get paid properly. So I was like, oh, okay, well, let's talk. <laughs> let's yeah, yeah. talk about it. But yeah, it was pretty. And then the funny part was, so then during their their high time speech or whatever, it was like they were talking about rebels and how outlaws and how we're all. And then they kind of look over at our table, like, and some of some of you guys are more than others, you know. And we're like, just bla- like our tables just got smoke coming off. Awesome. Of it. Everyone else is business conference. Was everyone giving you the dirty eye the whole time? A, a little bit, a little bit, little Snickers, Snickers and dirty looks. But I was like, you're at a high times event. I mean, still trying, fishing out. Uh, bring him in, bring him in, bring him in. I don't know how to do this. You have to. Otherwise, let me see what I can do. Make, make the mouse go into Because you don't hear the boop, 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 right? Not yet. Yeah, so that's the problem. And then we're not going to hear him. So where's the sound? <sighs> oh, he showed me. The kid showed The champ showed me. What do we do here, champ? The champ is here. Ah, oh, there we go. Oh, no. Nope. <laughs> he said line seven, eight, right here. This one, boom. Um, Hold, yeah, oh, we're trying to get our, sorry, our Skype. Guys. Guy. Yeah. Champ left. The champ left. We're we're left crippled over here. I can do the video, but not the audio. Damn it! What happened to that? Uh, um, Damn! I'll figure it out. Damn kid! I'll figure it out. I'll figure it out. Yeah, all right, we're good. Once we hear the little boop boop boops, then we'll know we're good. Boop boop boop. Right? Like if we don't hear that, it's not happening. There's no point. There's there's no point. You know what? I bet you it's the crossfader. Nope, that's not doing it. Not the crossfader. I'm putting that back to where it was. That was the easy answer. Oh, man. It's not one of those channels up and down? No channel up and down? No, no channel up and down. Oh, oh man. Let's see. Hold on. You have to call the kid. No. 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 <laughs> Process of elimination. Yup. Well, keep talking. I'll figure this out. Well, let me see. What else do you want me to talk about? Awesome stuff. Oh, so favorite bo- parts of Emerald Cup. Favorite part of Emerald Cup. Um, seeing Rob was really great. Rob Clark. Did you, that you watched his panel? Right? Yeah, watched. Tell that me panel. about that because I missed that entirely. Um, it was pretty good. It was. It was uh, also um, Chimera from was Chimera. It, uh, Chimera. Yeah, he was also there. He was. It was him. Oh uh, look! Look who's texting oh, me. Who's yeah. calling me? Not texting me. Yeah, call on the air. Yeah. Nice. Nice. <laughs> nice champ. <laughs> the champ calling. So um, Chimera, Rob Clark. Chimera, Rob Clark, um, the SC Labs guy, uh-huh. and uh, I forget who else was on there. Somebody else on the I can't remember the panel, but it was pretty good. They were talking about um, it, it was a genetics panel, and it was about um, the IP. A lot of it, you know what I mean? Because yeah. that's what pretty much everybody's getting freaked out about up there. Is like, what's going to happen when? You know, what happens when it legalizes? You know and it was interesting. Rob was very quiet. He didn't say much. He kind of he jumped in a lot on the Indica Sativa uh, discussion, of course. Which what did know, he say? That's what well, I'm he most champ- interested in you know it's his it's his. Uh, so what did he say? His cause. Well, basically, what we've been saying all along that there is no sativa. It's it's all indica. Okay, I fixed I fixed the problem. I didn't hit the blue light button. That the nice. The champ says, "Oops, oops, blue light." So we're good. So next time he calls, so one more time, aficionado, and we will have you. Yeah, I'm gonna. He just texted me too, being like, "Oh, yeah, technical." He, he now he understands how technically advanced we are. Yeah, that's what he needed to hear. Um, speaking of technically advanced, it looks like we're like probably 
two to three weeks away from from being able to be in our new studio. Whoa! So by the end of January, like I said, right? Pretty much like you said. Yeah, you're you're on point. Um, so we'll be moving to a permanent studio. We will avoid all of these issues. It's going to be a well. I can't say that because you know wouldn't be a, wouldn't be the Adam Dunn show without massive technological. No, work. without the gremlins that come in and pull all the push the buttons and pull the wires out. That's what That's they haunt us. Pretty much, yeah. And That's uh, what works. but it keeps it entertaining. Yeah, well, that was one of the things after talking to the podcast guys. They're like, oh, they love that. They love that. They love it when you adjust lights. If you get up and adjust lights during the middle of the show, they love that. They love that. I was like, well, cool. cool. Well, that's, be, why, that's why I was we, like, got we, are, we must be doing really that's good. That's our secret <laughs> to success. Is, yeah, exactly. Is the lack of professionalism is, is probably what keeps us rolling. That's what keeps it real. Oh, yeah, of course. Uh, what, cool. else, what else would you expect? I don't know. You want to do quick news, news, news? Because I got yeah, a bunch. Let's do it. All right. I don't have the audio. Oh, but uh, do you see this? The sloth commercial? Uh, I didn't actually. It was funny. I, I we'll saw it, it, but I didn't want to watch it because I thought. Another one I don't want to get brainwashed. We'll do it. We'll watch it. Yeah. I haven't, yeah. You haven't even watched it yet? No. An anti-marijuana TV advert starring a stone sloth that is struggling to keep up with life has been branded the worst anti-drug campaign <laughs> ever by social media <laughs> users after launching in Australia. The stoner sloth campaign by the government of New South Wales depicts a human-sized sloth looking lethargic in settings such as school examinations, a family dinner, and a house party. In the busy advertisement, which aims to raise awareness of the dangers of marijuana, the shaggy creature falls asleep in class and in exams and confuses salts for salad at the dinner table. It also generally out of sorts at a house party with friends. So we're going to watch one of them. It's 30 seconds. I hope it's funny. Uh, hang on. i got to close the show. Otherwise, we're going to hear the show. Okay, here we go. Is this uh, just audio for these guys? <laughs> yeah, they can, they're just going to hear it over the mic. Oh, this is a Kmart commercial. Whoops. Yeah, way to go, Internet. Fix the lights. They love that, right? That's they good, love, yeah. They love they that. love when I yeah. play the Kmart commercial rather so than... So where's your mic at? Are you going to try to put it up to I'm the just going to hold it up to the mic. All right. It doesn't yeah. sound very good yeah. there, so go. No. Okay, time's up. Pens down. Delilah. Pens down, Delilah. <laughs> the sloth's like leaning over. She didn't write a single thing on that test paper. Start a sloth. Stoner sloth. Stoner sloth. Shaking her head. Yes. That's terrible. That's so good. And the sloth looks so ashamed. Oh, the poor sloth. You're worse on weed. Hashtag stoner sloth. That's ridiculous. Yes. Oh, do you want should we do the next one? The dinner table? Yes. That was so good. That's total Adam Dunshow quality (laughs) material. That was ridiculously bad. Yes. Oh my oh, god! Another Kmart ad again. Kmart. Well, you gotta figure it's gonna have a Kmart ad every single time. Every right? single stoner sloth ad. You're not gonna sing a single stoner. Kmart was like, oh my god, people. This is so good. This, like is our, this is our crowd. Yeah, they were like, this yeah. is our crowd. Stoner sloths. Yeah. Jason, could you pass the salt, please, darling? Mm. <laughs> there he goes. There he goes. Who came up with this? Jason, the salt. <laughs> Life's tragic consequences. Oh no, he hands her the salad, not the salt. Maybe he didn't understand her accent. Stoner sloth? And the sister says stoner sloth. Oh, you're oh worse on weed, stoner sloth. That is. That makes no sense at all. That's so funny. It's so dumb. Oh yeah, that's good. You're worse on weed, Adam. Yeah, you are. Stoner sloth. My news, God. news, news. 
News, news, news. Here's a little local news, but it has implications. Marijuana biz Edipure issues fourth edibles recall oh in less than two god. months, dude. Oh my god. That's a lot, man. City of Denver's latest pesticide-based well, recall on marijuana-infused edibles. It appears first in the city's 15th in two I'm not going to say that I told you so, but if Edipure doesn't have a fucking garden, do they? No. Okay, so there you go. That's that's their problem for being lame and not having a garden, not figuring out that if you want to be a edible company, respected and, you know, taken seriously, you got to, first of all, grow your own cannabis. Second of all, don't just spray it onto other products because that's stupid and then on top of that they basically break every single rule in my opinion as far as like uh, by adulterating other products that are already out there and putting them back on the market as their own that's not even that's that's not even legal i don't think in any other industry uh you want to know what i love about it up here tell me when they got busted for the third time uh-huh. they questioned the lab yeah and then they got you. busted again of course they did so that's that's uh well that's, that's that, again like I said you you have you have to be in control of your own I mean look at our our favorite edible company they, Incredibles yeah and they, they control it. the they, garden the extraction exactly. every part of the process and all their and everything about that company is going up right now you know what I mean they're doing huge crushing it right now they want a trailblazer trailblazer yeah they want they also want a trailblazer award. Um, news, news, news. Marijuana decriminalization law takes effect in Delaware. Uh, Delaware has officially decriminalized possession of adults by small of small amounts of marijuana. A decriminalization law signed in June by Governor Jack Markle took effect on early Friday morning. The law makes possession by an adult of a personal use quantity of marijuana defined as an ounce or less a civil offense punishable by a $100 fine. Simple possession remains a criminal offense for anyone under 18. For those between the ages of 18 and 21, a first offense will result in civil penalty, but any subsequent offense would be a misdemeanor. Smoking pot in a moving vehicle, in public areas or outdoors, on private property, within 10 feet of a street, sidewalk, or other area accessible to the public would also be a misdemeanor. But it sounds like it maybe opens the way for private clubs in Delaware. That's pretty cool. Not that I want to hang out in Delaware, but... No, I mean, it's one of those states that... Obviously, if you live there, it'd be great, but... Don't Delaware C-Corp. Delaware Weed Corp. First and finest. Sure. Uh, Columbia legalized medical marijuana. This is a video thing, though. I thought it was going to be a, a text ad I could read, text uh, story I could read. So, but, yeah. So you go. The walls are, the walls are falling. Columbia. Columbia. And that's medical. Uh Newsweek, Lebanon, uh, Syrian marijuana farmers fear the wrath of ISIS. Well, I saw they were burning all the crops. So. Yeah. In the Bastards. Becca Valley, uh, inside a garage in Lebanon, Becca Valley, Lebanon's Becca Valley, filled with green dust and piles of cannabis, stand a woman and a 13-year-old boy sifting through the twigs and buds of the recent harvest. They're Muslim refugees from Raqqa province, the, dis- the de facto capital of Syria and the Islamic State fighters. Uh, and part of the extended family of about 25 that fled in the past few years to live in tents in the relative safety of a Lebanese village. Adam, do you want to do a thing? Uh, we could do it. First of all, uh, shouts shouts to the targeting, the ad targeting that gives me the lift out of the tray parchment line. Wow. <laughs> that was, that's good that's work. Good. That's good. good work. Somebody's working. Yeah, Newsweek. Uh, whoever's, whoever's selling the ads for or doing the algorithms for Newsweek, killing it right now. Um yeah, we should do like a thing to support their village or something. The hash farmers, yeah? 
Fuck yeah. Can we do that? Do we, we, have send the power? Him, we can send him a, a pollinator or something. <laughs> <laughs> send, send him a jar of weed. A jar for weed. Uh, but yeah, they uh, harvest and process cannabis. Uh, they miss Syria, but you uh, make 16 bucks a day processing uh, cannabis at a uh, weed plant. Any job 16, in... oh, I guess it might be worth it there. Well, so it says uh, growing cannabis can be a lucrative business for landowners, even if it's still illegal in Lebanon. Any job in Lebanon makes you $700 per month, but working with drugs, you can get $10,000 a day, says Sharif, a landowner and grower of cannabis. The woman earned 16 bucks a day processing the plant which allows her to send some money back home to her family still in Raqqa. Living in Lebanon has also given her and the other refugee women a measure of freedom they didn't enjoy in Syria, she says. In Raqqa, I have to be covered from top to bottom, even if even my eyes are not allowed to show, she says, wearing a tight veil, jeans, and a long top. If I went out with what I'm wearing now, I would get a few whips from Islamic State supporters, she adds. As she harvests and processes cannabis, the woman constantly thinks of family still in Syria, she says. She aims to get her husband and other son out of Syria to join her. Uh, it was apparently difficult for them to flee Raqqa, but hey, there they are, it's farming, farming herb, living the dream, escaping. They escaped ISIS to farm weed in Lebanon. Let's support them. Let's Definitely. Figure it out, right? We'll figure it out. Uh, news, news, news. News, 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 news. Uh, Kentucky State Senator pushing marijuana legalization bill. You see that? Uh, Pittsburgh decriminalized possession also. So now in Delaware and Pittsburgh... Two places that we probably wouldn't go unless we had a layover there. You, it's decriminalized. But it's bit by bit getting closer to the, the main places. I mean, Delaware's hop, skip, and a jump from D.C. Sure. And D.C. already decrimmed. You were smoking weed in D.C. in a Hilton. Do they? I'm sure someone got yelled at. But Oh, I got yelled at. You did? Did they let you keep doing it? No, the security just told me to stop. I was like, oh, sorry. I the thing that was funny, I had this guy. I think his name was Chris Bartlett. Okay. California guy. And he had a pen, and he really wanted me to try it. And he's like, here, try this one. And I'm like, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't say it was good because it wasn't, good. it wasn't good. So I had to tell him, like, it's kind of flat. I don't really like the taste. And he's oh. like, all right, well, then here, try this one. And then he kept me giving me different pens. So I'm standing in the lobby just trying these pens, forgetting that I'm in the lobby, of course. That's awesome. And, like, clouding it out as much as I can because I'm trying to, like, get the most hit out of this thing. And I'm like, I, I really, I can't say I like it because it just doesn't taste. All these like, different ones? Well, he gave me, like, cookies, and he gave me he gave me all these different flavors. And I'm like, all right, I should be able to differentiate between them. And it was like there wasn't enough, there wasn't enough life left in them. You know what I mean? They kind of, like... And, he, and he, of course, it was a classic. How did you do this? Can't tell you. So I'm like, okay, well, I can tell you. It doesn't taste good. So it's like, <laughs> <laughs> and he couldn't believe it. He was like, God, I can't. What? So we had, anyway. But yeah, I got, then, then I just had security. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Here oh, we go. here we go. Here we go. Here we but go. I don't hear it. Oh, man. Right? Now you don't hear crossfader. it. Now check the crossfader. No. You said channel one. No. No. Jesus Christ. Oh, come on. The champ letting us down. Champ, what did you do? Oh, yes. Oh, boy. Oh, oh boy. Classic. As, as you would say, Adam, classic. Classic champ. Is this thing plugged in right? Yeah. Oh, here we go. Oh, no, that, you were just hearing it. Wait. That's yeah, that's not plugged into the computer, yeah. So that's plugged in. 
All right, we're almost hearing it. We're close. We're close, we're guys. Close. We're getting there. We're getting it. We're hearing something. It's coming in. If they love this stuff, then we're killing it right now. That's all I know. Yeah. If they're, if, tell us if you love us being totally lame and not having our shit together. Yeah. Probably do. They probably do. I'm looking. I'm looking for help, champ. Thanks. The champ, King of Rosin, done with radio. Channel one on the fader A. Fader A, channel one, that's up there. Do you have to click the little on top to make it work? This one? Yeah. I don't think so. No? We'll see. Oh, God. That's why it wasn't playing the audio before off my computer either. So. What'd you do with all those Bodie nugs, actually? I got, I got it back. They're over there. Oh, really? Okay, cool. That's the only thing I missed when I got back. I was like, damn. When I got to DC, I was like, I wish I had that Bodie nug right that now. Bodie nug. Yep, yeah, no, I got that. They're over, sitting right over there. Uh, Once I get this working, we'll... Uh, how is it, how's it, uh, how did it travel well? Did it travel Travel well? pretty well. It's pretty amazing how he had it all in that bag, There's too. There's not a lot of that skunk left. And he was, the, oh, of course. So that's what I wanted to try. There's a little. How much is a little? Not a lot. That's not good. Is there a bud left, or is it just dust? Somewhere in between the two. Because <laughs> oh. that's all I... I mean, I, I, we tried the other one. I have one I saved for bike. Oh, of course, bike gets it, but Yeah. Me. No, you smoked there, didn't you? No, we didn't smoke no, it. Uh, all we did in the, mor- in the morning, remember, the, yeah, with yeah, my yeah. friends. Yeah, it's plugged in right. Is the fader up? Yeah, all these things are happening. Yep. Oh, God. Yep. But how come we can hear it? So we definitely heard it when you unplugged the It's thing. hidden the computer. Yeah, it's hitting the computer. Make sure the wires in back are plugged in the channel one line. Excuse me, I'm gonna I'll get the Bodie weed though. So you keep talking. I'll get the Bodie weed. I'm gonna make sure the wires are plugged into the right line. Sounds Oh good. the champ. That's how it happens. Uh, well on, keep talking, Adam. I'm trying, I'm trying. I'm trying. How's the wires looking, boys? Boys. <laughs> uh, wires not looking too red. Wires aren't looking so good? That, that's good. That's good, though. Um, yeah, it is correct. So what? What we did smoke the Bodie weed, right? We smoked some in the morning. Yeah, that was uh, the, like with my friend, mm-hmm. and he was, and he he basically texted me back like an hour later. It was oh no, we didn't even smoke it. We gave him some. That's what happened. We didn't smoke oh. it. I gave him some. And he texted me back like an hour later and said it was fucking bomb. I mean, that's the funny thing too is a, uh, you know, it's nice when people don't care. If it's all manicured perfectly, and if it's all like super frosty, dense bud, it doesn't have to be. It has to be, you know. It's appreciating the it, from what it, you're appreciating the cannabis from its expression well, naturally. Yes. You know what I mean? Yeah. And just to see those Laotian, because we saw the plant on the photo, yeah. And then you see the bud; it looks almost identical as far as like you know, it, it obviously shrank with it, and but not much because when we saw it grown, we even knew like, ooh, that's going to be a yeah, that's going to be a rough one. The picture, yeah. And then when he, he was like, well, I guess that's the key. Don't manicure it at all. Because if he did, it would be like, then it would look like r- really nothing there. But flavors are definitely on point. And, uh, you know, that's that's the kind of inevitable uh, circular way that this industry goes. Like, it'll go from, like, it has to be, you know, back in the day, that's what weed looked like anyway. Right. Then everybody got to the idea that it has to look like cue-balled out perfect little nugs, you know. And then... At a certain point, especially with like real old school growers that I knew never really manicured their weed very much because they smoked it themselves. So they would peel off the leaves when they were smoking Guard it. leaves, bro. Yeah, exactly. And keep your shit. And it, but it works, you know. It 
that's what I've been doing with all the dry uh, trimming that I've been doing just because it's like instead of going for it hard you just sort of get it to that phase and keep it like that until you need to get to it you know and it definitely preserves it properly yeah this is what we got left uh oh here it is this is what's left this is the <clears throat> and that's the you always have a man you always manage to make weed look so good like you're, you're such an you're such a good that's how I keep people from <laughs> taking my weed this is what you call cannabis aficionado style right like scrappily scrapples just oh, I heard it I heard something what was that you heard something yeah really I heard a I fixed it I think so I heard a boop whip 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 yeah you heard a whip whip I hadn't heard a whip Really? I heard of whip whip, so that's good. Try again. Try again now. Try again. Oh, my God. Uh, I'll try calling them. How about that? Uh, oh. Yes. It was working all along. That thing was just muted. What thing? Maybe I fixed it. Uh-huh. Great success. I did it. Yes. Yes. Man. We fixed it. That was tough. Nice. That was painful. Yeah. So we have, uh, they love it, they say. So that's great. See, we yeah. knew that everyone loves it when we fail. That's 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 that's, that's what makes podcasting better than radio. It's unprofessionalism. There's absolutely going to be some gaps. Can you turn the volume up a little on our side or no? Um, oh, this is going to get scary. Right, come on, bud. I got us this far. Let's All see. Right, uh, keep talking, Adam. Uh, well, no, I'm not oh, my keep talking, Leo. Well, let let me introduce our guest. Uh, we're speaking with Leo Stone, yes. the owner of Aficionado Seeds. Yeah, thank you for uh, coming on, dude. And hopefully we can get uh, Jackson on uh, at some point in the show. And if Elle's available, uh, bring her in. Because we'll, I really want to get into sort of, you know, we have a, we got a couple hours together here. Uh, obviously, there's the hype about aficionado now. Uh, the great success great success in the Emerald Cup. We got a jar of the winner right here. So but uh, can't hear. They, they can't hear him at all? I don't know. Let's what? see. They can't hear him now. Okay. All right. All right. Hold Give on. me a sec here. <laughs> they can hear us, Leo, and we can hear you, but they can't hear you. They can't hear anybody. And our sound way. guy's out delivering rosin or something. So, uh, yeah, it's an industry show. This is, I believe, the term. Uh, so, unmute this. No, now we sound like robots to ourselves. He told me not to do All that. Right. There's seed. Yeah, there's seeds in okay. there. There's tons of seeds okay. in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Throw it back in the bag, or you can have that one if you want, but they're all... <laughs> that's where i've been putting all the seeds all right all right uh so let's see if we can get leo's audio in here uh you know what i'll text the champ now because i fixed the last one this one's on him so pull that up yeah they can't hear skype so. they can't hear skype cool okay we're working on it we can hear skype okay that's good i'm glad we fixed that though okay so we got halfway there but now at least we can talk leo so we're not totally uh, oh, you want to know what? I think I know how to fix it. Yeah, you got something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure he showed me this. Nope. He showed me this. Nope. <laughs> Show me this. Uh, that's Pro- not it. Process of elimination. This one? Yep. Check yep. me out now. Leo's on this one. I don't know why he's muted, though. Maybe you, they can't hear you. We can hear you, bud. So it's great. It's great to hear you. <laughs> Must have been a good week for you, huh? Last, I know, isn't it crazy? After all those big events, I would just like you're like, ah, oh. decompression takes like a week. You know what I mean? Plus, if you win, when you win, you keep going. You know what I mean? You're on the high after that, and then all of a sudden, it's like the crash is even harder because you're like, <laughs> Jesus, we got so much to do. You know, and get back to work, and so it was, yeah, it's great. 
Make sure but it sucks when you lose. It's even worse. Then it's like all that work went to nothing. Like, are you fucking kidding me? Yeah. But I think you were uh, you were set before. Before we even saw you, you had already won an award, I think, at the end of the show there. So it was pretty awesome to see your, your whole team just kind of crushing it, you know? Oh, cool. Well, let, let me make sure I got our, our, our audio mix working. And then... Uh... Uh-oh, there goes CP. Robot. going forward okay and i think i just brought you into the mix leo i think i figured it out uh, so everyone should be able to hear you yeah it was muted i got it cleared out cool so if gene wants to call in either on your line or if he wants to skype in we can kind of uh, merge him in a skype conference he can dial in on the phone too uh right. to us did we got to guarantee that it's working or not yeah it's definitely working i can i guarantee it you guarantee it all right so, bingo, bam, we got a bingo. Bingo, we got it. All right, chat room can hear everything. Chat room again, we are talking to Leo from Aficionado. We thank you for hanging in with us uh, while we figure this out without the chat. Desperately trying to get buds out of this bag. It's like I keep just kind of like little clumps. Yeah, but look at all the seeds. Well, yeah, great, but I'm trying to smoke a joint here. So. <laughs> you could smoke a joint in a few months, Adam. Uh, <laughs> uh, suffering you put me through here to make I'm one. sorry, bud. Look at this. Look There's, at this. I got all this Laotian weed. I smoked the Laotian, though. I didn't get to you try the roadkill. Oh, kills. you never tried to try. You got to try the roadkill skunk. Uh, all right, oh, anyway. Sorry, bud. Where so did that, the roadkill skunk come from? From Bodie. I mean, where did it originally come from? That we don't. I don't know. Do you know, Adam? Uh, I, I mean, so, I would kind of always assumed, like, the Gainesville green zone and kind of all that. I mean, it seems like a Florida thing, but I don't know. You know, it's like back in the day, I used to get shit that smelled like skunks in like 84 or something like that. And it was, but it was uh, grown in a trailer park, dude. It was like, you know, who knows where they get it from? You know, they like literally grew some leafy ass stuff, but everything on that plant smelled like skunk. Didn't matter if it was a stem or, a, you know, a, leaf or whatever it just like the whole thing just reeked but it didn't grow very nice looking buds so, oh okay so i'm not sure but i mean it's it's weird it's one of those things we're all chasing that original vibe because it's like it was so prevalent at one point and now it's like it's <coughs> impossible to find you know you just don't ever see that exactly you get whiffs of it and little bits but you don't ever get like the full like all right that's it right there you know yeah every breeder in the world's looking for a skunk or some kind of clone or something to breed with so we could get that trait dominant again that uh <laughs> that panama red that coastal had was super skunky mm -hmm. that was uh that was an interesting thing to go right from Bodie smelling that stuff and and walking down and smelling that yeah, the have you checked out their uh, Big Sur Holy Weed? Yeah, that's why we went that's, down. There. That's what we were. That yeah. was, it was amazing, was... and it was amazing because it smelled. I mean, it was like on point, dude. That's like... an incredible strain. You know, yeah. um, we actually have some of the family members that live locally in Long Valley. Um, the the wife of the guy who actually bred Big Sur Holy Weed um, lives up here on Woodman Canyon, oh, nice. um, where Jean's Black Lime came from. So it's really cool the kind of history that you know Santa Cruz has that's connected with. With the Emerald Triangle, I mean, I mean, Coastal still carrying Panama Red and and and, and Big Sur Holyweed. I mean, that's super cool, man. I mean, yeah. a lot, lot of people really aren't curating those true old school flavor strains. Like, I miss skunk, man. You guys are talking about skunk, and I'm just like, damn, I miss that old cut that I got from my boy Kevin back in Arcata just seven years ago. You know, mm -hmm. and the cut got lost because the DEA hit his entire greenhouse because they they mistaken it for a grow, but it was just a big, huge mom room. 
So he lost priceless clothes oh, like skunks, oh, bizarre griefs, old school hazes, Colombian gold. Oh, yeah, no, and that's the the point of I think most of the breeders that started back, you know, when when there was no seed banks except for the the seed bank and for SSSC and things like that. But people then really had to, you know, at that point, I think it's kind of like a lot of people fucked up and they ended up ordering seeds, forgetting about what they were doing. And then it kind of like, you know, nullified so many killer strains out there that were, were rolling prevalent at the time. So, I I mean, it's like the same's happened in all over the world. You know, people go to, if you go to Mexico now, you're pretty much seeing mostly good, mostly grown Kush and shit like that down there too. They have, they're not stupid. You know what I mean? They're not going (laughs) to, even, even in the Eastern Bloc in the Balkans, people are growing OG and headband. Exactly. So, I mean, it's like, you know, it is kind of, and it's, to me, it's, it's kind of sucks for as a breeder because that people don't appreciate the fact you know you tell somebody that's it's a 10 week strain nobody wants to buy it you know what i mean they're like oh 10 weeks can't do it bro you know it's too too much it's an extra week you know what the fuck you know and then they're like what are you doing that week that's so important (laughs) like you can't just hang out for an extra week especially when you have a good like like uh sage which is a big sort of derivative and stuff those all yield great but you have to like let them go 11 weeks you know what i mean it's just part of the it's par for the course but at the end of the day i'm like well if you if you have to make clones every time, isn't it nicer to do one less round and, and that much less, you know, and kind of take it easy? But most people just don't. They want that eight-week, you know. I think that's probably what separates the, you know, the interior market from the cats that produce straight out. Because we see a lot of cats that up in the Triangle and down in Santa Cruz, you know, we're working a lot of 10-11-week sours, 10-11-week headbands, you know. I mean, I think for the people that are really into production – you know, we know what consumers want. You know, we know that, you know, if they want that haze, you have to, you know, you just have to wait it out. But it's just not conducive for indoor farmers who have a higher overhead when they're producing that 1500 a pound. They have to, you know, they can only pull two or three harvests a year versus, you know, well, an think, outdoor who's got larger production and larger flow and could, you know, could can wait it out. Yeah, I think also, though, one of the things that's uh, different about the states and like, for instance, Amsterdam is that one thing that they actually understood over there was, if it takes extra time, we just charge you more. You know what I mean? And then people pay for it. And problem, I, problem, I, I agree. Yeah, pe- <laughs> people just people just don't get it like that. They always think like, you know, oh, they're gonna, they, you know, they want it to be quick, and then they want a price point to be exactly at this point. And you're like, well, really, it's just like it's extra nutrients, it's extra power, it's extra energy, time, all that. So you, someone's got to pay for it. And in Holland, everybody's very, you know, very tight with their cash, and so they're like, all right, this is a ten week strain. Then I want an extra, you know, four hundred euros on a on a pound on a, on a kilo or whatever, and people pay for it. It's like you know, extra two hundred bucks a week or whatever it is, and it's 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 not it's pennies in the sense of what the difference is between the grower and the and the people who are buying it, and then they the consumer has to pay the double that. You know what I mean? It's just the same classic situation of of like oh my god now that's 16 bucks i can't pay that you know what i mean it's like well you you, when you smoke it you will understand (laughs) it's way more worth it to have a a super strong psychedelic sativa that you're not going to get from a eight-week strain you know it's just kind of simple absolutely it's a whole different experience entirely and then you know i think that the market will mature and people will start to get because it's it's it can't be like you know because they are charging more. It's not like people aren't charging more for this or that, but it's never based on the growing time. It's always based on just hype or something like that, you know? And yeah. I, and I think if you kind of based it more on growing time, it's almost like wine too, you know, like a Merlot is 
takes longer than a Beaujolais. You know what I mean? It's like gonna be that's that's a super fast out out the door and sold. Absolutely, seven dollars a bottle. You know what I mean? And then the other Absolutely. one is, is thirty dollars a bottle, but it's man kind of kind of par for the course. So the, the same could be said for high end cigars in the in the Cuban tobacco market. You have certain strains of of tobacco that are that take longer to grow or. Or, or, or tougher to grow because they have to be cultivated in a shade environment, and that right. yields a premium on the dollar. Sure. And, I mean, I'm excited about the cannabis going towards legalization because, you know, I've, I've seen a trend throughout all the shows we've been going to, and the coolest thing is, you know, as we start going towards legitimacy, a lot of these old schoolers keep coming up to our booths and coming up to us and hitting us for the old school strains, you know, the old school hazes. I mean, I think people remember that, man, and I think that a lot of the market here in California, especially in the States, we're all indoor-oriented, so you guys are, you know, we have all these eight-week strains that, you know, eight-week strains is giving is going to give you an eight-week high. That's what my that's what my OG said. <laughs> and if you want, you know, if you really want the good shit, you got to dish it out. You know, he, he was a big fan of really nice scotch, and he was like, "Hey, man, twenty year just tastes tastes better to me." And same thing with Panama Red, you know, or or an old school hay or or a pure Oaxacan haze that that, that takes its time too. Sure. You know, in the in the in the Corinto Rojo that that um uh that that uh the coastal seed guys carry, man, that's long winded too, but it's worth it. It, it, yeah, it gives you a high and a yep. nose that you can't experience anywhere else, man. I mean, that's to me, that's true luxury. Yeah, speaking of luxury, I I, uh, I didn't even open up the gift that you gave me when I left the booth that I got it with me here. Well, so, do it right now. And, uh, and it was nice because that's, I think, part of the reason that people are you know gravitate towards your, your, your well, I wouldn't say your booth, but your products in general, is Thanks, that man. you guys have, you know, tight, you put your stuff together tight. Presentation is Presentations classy. Got a great name too, right? Yeah, that yeah. aficionado thing. Yeah. <laughs> Mitch loves that Thanks, name. Man. He's like, hmm, that name is familiar. But no, the uh, you know, it's just real classy. And so I didn't even open it. I thought I'd open it up on the show. So here we are. Boom. Oh, Boom. thanks, man. <laughs> and, what, and what is it? It says on the back. Yeah, this is the Long Valley Royal Kush that you gave me. Oh, nice. So I didn't even check it out. I took traveled with me. It's funny because I had this with me in my bag everywhere I went. I'm to DC after and kept smoking all this other weed and I kept pulling this thing out going eh, I'll just wait for the show I'll put this time yet I'll I'll do this on the show because it makes more sense you can roll J I'm gonna roll yeah I'm doing between the roadkill and that we'll do kind of both of them at the same time so oh man (laughs) beautiful but not together of course yeah no 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 we would never do that yeah. <laughs> of course you would. I always put. It's funny when in Holland everybody, you know, everybody mixed with tobacco, and I'd be sitting there rolling joints, and then I'd I'd put my weed out, and everybody'd be like, yeah, "That's a lot of weed." That's what you know, and then I'd be like, "Whatever," and then I'd start putting hash into it, and they'd be like, "Oh my god!" And I'd be like, "Come on, people! Like, what's wrong with you? Like, aren't you here to get high? Like, is that the most fucking obvious thing? Like, here we're here to get high. I got hash, got weed. I put them together, you get extra high. And I was like, that that's so complicated. They, and they were that. like, no, that you know, it's like weird. But you know, that's. That's America for you right there. We're all about the... Go big or go home, right? Exactly. Go big, go home. Too much is never enough. Too much is never (laughs) enough. So... So Let's talk strains. Yeah, well, let's talk strains. Let's talk about your your guys, your connection to genetics, how you guys got into growing cannabis and and getting access to these rare genetics. Man, it's it's really cool how how the Aficionado family kind of just naturally came together. Um, it was first started by um, by myself and 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 L a few years ago. We've been selling seeds under you know under the table for for a long time. My OG, um, who brought me up to Mendo um, about seven eight years ago, 
um, was the guy that first taught me how to select and breed. And one of the things that got my foot into the door was I had some pretty cool genetics that I brought from. Um, I was cultivating in Europe at the time. I was in Mainz, Germany, um, doing indoors. Then I relocated to San Diego um, where I met my OG. And, you know, I had a lot of, uh, you know, really tight, you know, um, I don't know if it was verified, but, you know, I had, you know, it was an OG and it was labeled the Triangle Kush. And um, that's one of the cuts I brought back with me. I brought back um, a really good lemon uh, lemon Kush. I had a lemon skunk, and I had a and I had a huge seed collection. And um, the guy was like, you know, you really like, you know, you really seem like genetics. I think I should take you up north because we had this club for a while. And um, what the cool thing was about it, we we're down in San Diego, so we were able to um, trade a lot of seeds, especially um, people coming from Mexico. We were able to collect a lot of land races and a lot of interesting things. But the um, the sheriff ended up shutting our shop down, um, and so we ended up moving back to Mendo. Um, where I just continued to study, you know, outdoor and growing. And so the, the cool thing about that is the neighborhood I ended up getting into was there was a lot of other geeks like us that, you know, were, were hoarding strains for a long time and, and you know, trying to have, you know, th th their unique edge on the market by, by cultivating something really unique. So I ended up starting, um, I won the cup in, I won the Emerald Cup in 2012. And, and that's right, right when I met Frenchie and right when I met Jackson. And I thought I had some pretty good weed, man. The first time I met Gene was like when you're when you're going to a car meet and you have a really fast car and then someone pulls up in a way faster car. You're just like, <laughs> shh, you're like, fuck, that's the, that's this the guy. Can, that's the man, he handed me this bag of weed. It was before he handed me this bag of weed. This guy was smoking something in the corner. It was something Leggett where we met. And um, I was like, yo, what the fuck is that? And he was like, it's black lime crossed with cherry. And I was like, geez, let me, because I was, I was smoking this strain we bred um, that we were really proud of called, um, it was called the Sweet Life La Dolce Vita. And it was a, it was a, it was a cut of the canatonic that Dr. Courtney brought back from Spain that we had crossed into a few things. And I was pretty proud of that until I saw Gene's stuff. <laughs> and um, it was a really cool honor meeting him because he hit me up online and um, I did. I thought I met serious breeders. You know, Mandelbrot was definitely one of the most serious cats I, I met. But Gene has fucking five gallon buckets with hundreds of strains. Like this cat's on a different level. So being able to be in the the neighborhood where I was able to meet people like Gene, people like Mandelbrot, who's a, who's a legit Emerald Triangle legend, people like Kevin Jodry, you know, who runs clones up in Humboldt and who's really known for his propagation. Um, you know, we're just in a really unique situation where there's this where there's this melting pot of of incredible ideas and incredible genetics, and so aficionado is just about putting those together and working with you know working with the families in our neighborhood and and making a good name for Mendocino. And yeah. so, how how back how far back do your roots to Mendocino go? So my roots in Mendocino, um, I'm a transplant. I've been about here for seven eight years. Everybody else in the family is a second, third generation um, farmer. And um, we deal with about three or four families, three, four, five families um, throughout Mendo and a few families up in uh, Garberville. So we've been really unique um, because my OG, um, he, my OG hitchhiked out to Mendocino from Florida um, back in back in the early 70s. And um, he was a deadhead and he was a biker. So he's he's been linking with all the you know, he knows all the old, you know, the first generation farmers who now have third generation grandsons who, who are blowing it up in the hills. So um, having that kind of access to be able to, you know, um, you know, be amongst a community of, of, of serious professionals, man, that's really where the magic was at. 
Yeah, it's also. I mean, it's always like uh, yeah. Set it, you know, where where your location is your, is the most important thing. I mean, it's like a kid in Ohio is never going to be able to compete with the crew up in you know Emerald Triangle. It's like yeah, like, it's, it's just impossible because there, it's there's, tough. There's too much. There's too much uh, knowledge there, and then you know, and a lot of this stuff, it's just rhythms that get built up over time. And if you're if you're on your fifth or sixth cycle and you think you're killing the game, and you talk to somebody who's you know two or three generations deep they can't even count you know how many fucking things they've grown in their lifetime and and it's like the the knowledge that the knowledge base is based on experience and experience is the best way that you can ever transfer knowledge to somebody else i mean the minute you you know oh, i read something it's like okay well great you just transferred bullshit to somebody transferred work. yeah exactly <laughs> you know, that was you know that I mean? was unconfirmed information it's that like, you just passed on it's so you like know, what the, we... the key is to kind of like you know, it, and it's amazing when you when you talk to somebody who's been doing something, even if it's only for uh-huh. six months. If it's just that they've been doing the same mm-hmm. thing over and over again, it's like the same guy that you dropped off at the house and he didn't know how to mix anything. When you come back a few months later and talk to him, it's like all of a sudden he's fucking filling your head with actual like knowledge that you're like just direct fucking knowledge from doing it. Like he's like, dude, these they responded like this. I noticed on the third cycle that you know, it's like, okay, great, this is fucking real knowledge it's not it's like, true feedback man you know and it's the true same with seeds. like whenever you give seeds out to people it's much better to get their feedback than it is to think you can do it on your own because if you get four people doing something and they all see something then you're like all right that's for sure it's like you know it, it, whether it be uh hermy traits or whatever it's like things that you might not pick up on yourself and somebody and that's invaluable being people's different environments and their feedback because i think that's really what shows the true strength of a strain yeah. You know, is how flexible it could be in, and you know, just different indoor environments. I mean, there's cats that breed specifically indoors, just for indoors, and then you see different expressions in people's rooms. So, you know, as as guys who primarily make our seeds under full sun, you know, it's like seeing that feedback from all the outdoor farmers, and and, and more so the indoor farmers, man, because that's that's a really delicate, you know, that's a delicate art form. Now is the, indoor. Now the only, I don't miss doing indoor. <laughs> now the only thing that I would say that that kind of. I'm curious to see how it pans out because one of the things that like being in Holland and doing all our, we did all our production indoors and our conditions sucked and it was a lot of, you know, it was definitely like an uphill battle all the time because there were humid conditions and <coughs> a lot of bugs and a lot of trans, you know, everybody lived really tight on top of each other and there was, you know, constantly losing gardens and having to move and all this kind of bullshit. Wow. Going down. So it was like, you never got to like get a foothold hardly, you know, whereas if you're growing on the same piece of property and you're doing everything organically and you're dumping all your stuff and you're at, at a certain point, you know, you, you know everything that's going on because it's, yeah. it's all you. But one of the things that kind of, I think was it advantageous for Holland was that we were in such a shitty environment that when we made seeds there, when they went to good conditions like Cali Outdoor or to like South America or to something like that, they just fucking exploded because yeah. they, they were in such a, they were like, wow, this is awesome. You know what I mean? Yeah. So what I'm kind of concerned about California is that you might have some lazy ass seeds that are like, <laughs> like you know what? Fuck Ohio, man. This is bullshit. Like I'm from California, <laughs> man. This is not what this is not what I was meant to do. You know? What I, I mean? don't so, deserve <laughs> this. I need full sun. Exactly. And dry so weather. I, I hope. I hope it's uh, not that case. But I don't think so. I mean, it, the plant's so fucking, ad, you know, ad, adaptable. But it is kind of, like, noticeable when you bring some... Like, I notice when I bring... Pla- like, if I take cuts from outdoor plants and bring them inside, those things will root 
so much faster than anything that I have from ind- indoors. Like it's like yeah. all of a sudden you're like, what? Four days they rooted? Like that's fucking amazing. And and when they do, they really explode. It's almost like they're they're just full of energy. You know what I mean? And if you do the opposite, when you take them take those in- indoor plants outdoors, they like kind of lag sometimes. They're like, whoa, this you know what the fuck's going on here? This is some real shit going on. Yeah. <laughs> and then they have to be you know babied into it especially certain you know like ogs are like as far as colorado is also a unique environment too i think we have it even more stressful for some plants because of the the dryness you know we have super dry and a lot of uv here too you know we're a mile up so we're fucking sometimes you put a plant out and it's not happy at all you know what i mean you have to really ease oh you really got to put it under the shade and 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 harden it off yeah for sure like half there's no way around it because of the UV here is so much higher, and uh, but the plants do respond to that. Once on a resin, on a resin level, it's great. <laughs> but, you know, yeah, your UV and your dryness we're hella jealous of because yeah. the dryness is what really makes it key. Because you know we have a really unique terroir here in Mendocino where we're kind of coastal. It's kind of dry. We have this balance that allows our buds to express itself where it breathes. Where we believe that it gives you a certain terpene profile, but Man, if we could have it drier, if we could have it drier in in in, in October and in, in November, we wouldn't have the serious powdery problems that because everybody here likes to grow OG, right. and you know for for people that grow OG and, and and sour and headband commercially, it's it's a it's a blessing to get things as dry as possible because you don't have to worry about the PM problem. Yeah, no, I can tell even with yeah. the cure, like I'm looking at the buds from you guys right now, and it's like, if this bud was grown here, it would be like dust right now, like, you know yeah, what I mean, it yeah. would be squishy, and this one's still got squished, this one's still squidgy, it's still got that, and that's one of those things about Cali where I feel like, I, is exactly what you just said there, like if they had just a little bit of a combination of the two environments where you had that little bit drier on the, it's it's all about the cure, you, you know what cure I mean? it in Cali, and grow it in Colorado, cure it in Cali. Yeah, you know, it's like the, the combo is... Uh, because we we can we, we can hardly ever get the Cali cure on our shit. It just man, you guys you guys hit the nail on the head with that man. Um, we were talking with uh, Frenchie and he was down with a few clubs in L.A. and they were just like, how how do you guys can you guys come and teach us how to cure? And I'm like, no, nah, man, we could teach you how to cure, but if you if you want the way it turns out, you guys got to set your curing up in Mendo. Yeah, because it's, all it's about the, the way. Yeah, that ambient temperature, the ambient humidity all has a huge effect on, on it because the whole plant's still respirating when it's hanging. And then, you know, a lot of humidity gets drawn in and out through the stalk and throughout the whole, you know, throughout the whole plant if you're hanging whole plants or whole branches. Um, but, man, that terroir is, is, it really is everything. And, and so we've been telling people, like, man, how can I cure better? And we say, really, it's just about if you could replicate the environments in Humboldt and Mendo where you have a nice level of humidity, but it's not too dry, and there's a really good amount of airflow, and it stays nice and cool, then you should have no problem getting, you know, a top-notch cure. But, man, there is something about that Cali weather. Yeah, it's like uh, Cali Cure and New York Bagels, we figured it out. It's like, yeah. you, know, like yeah. you, guys, you, know, you just can't really do them in the room. <laughs> they got the water in New York. Yeah, and then you just can't fuck with it, you know what I mean? So it's like, it's, it's, and it's, <coughs> you can come close. That's the whole thing. You can come close. Dead air, dead air, dead air, <clears throat> dead air. <laughs> so sorry, I was I was ripping. He was he was doing a rip. I'm rolling a joint. He's rolling a joint. We're distracted by herb. It happens. Yeah. So yeah, we you, gotta... you first won the Emerald Cup in 2012. Then you linked up with Jackson, me and Gene, and uh, he joined on with the crew. 
and now he's gone on to win it. He's just won, what do you have, three Finos of the same strain, top place in the top 15 this time, four Finos? I think it was, yeah, three Finos. Uh, two of the Finos um, took, took a spot. Um, his... I call him his like his protege. His protege stays splitted. Um, I think he took he took the number fourteenth spot um, mm-hmm. right above my brother who took fifteenth, and it was all with a cherry lime variation. I mean, I think what came in first was from was Gene Seedstock. That that seed is gone. He didn't take any clones or any cut to that seed. It was a it was a one and done victory for Gene. Um, but he still has he still has a, he still has a seed stock, so um, he could still pick from the genotype. But um, the the cut that um, I got sixth with this year was the cherry lime number six clone um, that Gene took third place with uh, third place um, in um, 2013. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I, we have some of this cherry lime here. It's I mean, it smells delicious. It's funny too because when I brought it to the East Coast, you know, then it was like we it was doing the whole thing. That we talked about with the, with the diesel, where it like it changed a bit. It did. You got that happening, and it was like because uh, it was funny. I opened it up at my friend's house, and it, it was like you know, of course he's standing outside. Dude, what's that? Oh, I smell that from outside. And I was like, yeah, the winter, of course. And uh, but then I kind of noticed it was like sucking it because of the, it was very humid there too. It was yeah, raining. It was raining when I got there, and it was you know that East Coast kind of humidity combined with. The, the rainy conditions or whatever, but it definitely uh, kind of stunk up even more, it seems like. Which I, we, we, that's our other little theory is that, you know, because Colorado, it's really hard to get your stuff. That's, you know, it's great for the growing. It's great for making hash. It's great for a lot of things, but for keeping your smell around, it's pretty fucking hard. You know what I mean? Like, we have a really hard time getting stuff to retain its smell long enough. You know what I mean? It kind of... Absolutely. Yeah, a lot of my buddies down in the valley have that problem. People that are that are growing out in like the Chico area and Stockton, where it's just sunny and dry, yep. have a hard time keeping a cure on their bud. Yeah, and it's you know there's yeah. there's no moisture in the air. It's just like it's always. And then up here at altitude, we're under the vacuum always, so it's just always sucking. We can't get anything to that. We're purging. Like we're basically soap. purging all the time. Yeah, everything's <laughs> purged. Slightly purged. On a constant purge. It's like, gosh. You know, if you open it up, and that's the thing, you can't leave your weed. It depends. If you cure it properly to begin with here, it'll, like, hold out pretty well. But if you just, like, didn't do a good job or you let it get, like, and you put it outside, it'll just dry up in a second. You know what I mean? It has, to have, it has to have that initial seal, you know what I mean, done by the proper curing. And then it's like, okay, now it's now it's in a little, like, vapor lock or something where it's okay. But the minute you uh, break it up or whatever, leave it out, it's going to dry up in like an hour. That's it. That weed Adam just broke up. Oh, it's too Your dry. It's too dry. Too dry. I can't smoke just it. Just turning into dust. <laughs> <laughs> it's done. Um, so, what, was that kind of really how you got the start with the seed company? Was really connecting at the Emeralds Cup? I mean, you said you'd been doing your own stuff, but that's really how the team mm-hmm. came together. We had, you know, that was the the the, the juice of the team. We started the seed company um, two years before that. Um, we had been selling seeds. Um, I had been selling seeds, you know, um, since I've been in San Diego. And um, all throughout my time, you know, when I was learning the game from, you know, from my OG up on the hill and he was teaching me how to grow, one of the ways I was making seed, money on the sides was was selling some of the seeds that I had. And, you know, I always had a little patch of plants to myself where, you know, I could pollinate a few branches and, you know, kind of mess around. You know, around this time I was working, you know, I was working with, um, the, you know, the skunks. I was working a lot of skunks and, and lavenders and um, we were messing around with a lot of OGs too at the time. Um, so, 
you know, we had we had a nice stock. We had a really nice vault of, of, of really good genetics, and I was already networking with a lot of local breeders who, who were really adamant about remaining anonymous. They wanted to put their work out into the world, but they didn't want to risk it to where they were risking their operations by putting their name on their strain. So they would say, hey, man, you know, you're local, you're, you're trusted in the neighborhood, you know, you could, you could take this, and, you know, and we just make sure everyone's taken care of. But then it just naturally started forming when we met Gene and we started building this team and we started breeding together because Gene came up to me. He's like, hey, man, that chem dog that you bred, um, um, because there was no good chem dog seeds, you know, at the market at, on the time. So I took some star dog seeds that were uh, that were F1s and I F2'd them so I could, you know, so I could do a better selection from the male. And I had a chem dog number four clone that was actually a chem dog four back cross from up on Spy Rock. Um, and it was from some guy's chem dog seed, and um, that was the clone I used to, to make the special reserve. And the special reserve is actually a BC3. And Jackson, when he saw the special reserve, he's like, "Man, I got something that we could put. We could we could put something on it. It's super hot. It's that. It's my lime." And he was like, "It's it's the father of that cherry lime you smoked when we first met." And so I, I you know, I, I did a, a good selection for, of, of males from the 2013 stock, and then Jackson, um, we he took that pollen and he put it on his his choicest black lime seed stock, which is an old school, you know, really fuely limey variety that came from the Woodman Canyon area um, of Long Valley. And um, I wish Jackson were on on because I'll let him explain um, the background of it, but. There's an old school strain called uh, oil can or it, but it wasn't called oil can. It was called the stoil because it had this turpentine smell. And this was back when you know nobody was growing fuel strains, and this had that that raw gas aroma, and and, and it had some Northern Lights number five crossed in there. So we crossed that into the the black lime, made the black lime reserve, and then Gene took second place um, at the Emerald Cup with that cross in 2014. So um, it was. We knew it would be a good cross because we would drop limes of the chem dog into jars of of the black lime, and and we couldn't tell the difference. So we we thought that would be a good pairing. The morphology was really similar in how they grew. They both had you know these long spaghetti noodle type branches uh, that 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 really mimic the properties of OG that growers here really like because we like to do cages and screens. So and then the whole th- seed thing just evolved from there. I won the cup with um, a royal, a, a royal, uh, a royal Kush Fino. I was sifting from Mandelbrot's original seed stock, and then I got linked up with Mandelbrot through Shiloh Massive from Dying Breed. And um, th- then me and Mandelbrot started breeding together and coming up with strains. So that's really the beauty of of, of Aficionado. It's really just a collaborative teamwork effort. It's not you know, a one guy show. It's a show where you have all these artists with all these talents and it's just a vehicle for us to showcase these unique strains that, that each person brings to the market. You know, Jackson's going to end up needing his own. He has freeborn selections. He's got hundreds of strains this guy could put out. He's, 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 it's ridiculous the amount of the genetics that he has. I mean, in his vault, just himself. His guy's been breeding since he's eight. He's like thirty-five. <laughs> this this guy's ridiculous, dude. Like That's his funny. his mom has stories of him. You know, you know, just just working with him in in the fields when they were doing gorilla status back in the day. You know, this guy is like he's he's a savant when it comes to cannabis. Like the old the guy that started the fucking nursery in town. You know, super respected, super old school grower, really knows what he's doing. But when he has problems, he calls Jackson. <laughs> like the old school people, they call Jackson. This guy, he he has a different approach to his craft. He vibrates on a different level. 
And same thing with Mandelbrot. That's the cool thing about this team because Frenchie's kind of on his own cloud with the hash aspect because we run all our strains through hash to make sure they, they test out that way. And then you had Mandelbrot who's who's vibing on a different level, who was doing veganics before, you know, Kyle Cushman was doing veganics. I mean, he was doing veganics on like a large commercial scale. And then Jackson was a large scale farmer from back in the day. And is this someone who's been who's been honing his craft for fucking 30 years? Yeah, no, it's and again, like this back to what I was saying earlier, just about the experience, you know what I mean? If you get 30 years under your belt, uh, outdoor, you've seen it, and especially thinking about the 30 years we're talking about, then it's not, you know, it's not 30 years coming up. The next 30 years are going to be a whole different animal compared to what the last 30 years were. The last 30 it, years were definitely, like, you know, outlaw, outlaw mentality, you know, living, you know, and having to live that whole game, which a lot of the people who listen to the show understand and. You know, it's the not ever answering your door if you live in a if you lived in somewhere yeah, yeah. come to your door, <laughs> or you know, not having a vacation forever and being you know never trusting anybody to run your shit for you while you're gone and just like going yeah. and going through the the partners and the you know there's just so much that comes with this. It's like you know, and, it, and it's the same. It doesn't matter who you meet if you meet somebody who's been doing the same thing as you've been doing. You can pretty much sit down and tell war stories all day. Uh, yeah, because you survived to get to that point because it wasn't the easiest thing. Uh, yeah, I, re- I really respect the guys that have, you know, a lot of time, you know, 10, 20, you know, 30 years in the game. Because to me, it's, you know, this this whole cannabis industry, you know, I approach growing. It's it's an art form. It's like music. Right. So when I'm, you know, I'm hanging out with you like cats like you, you know, you're an OG you've been doing your shit for a long time and it's, you know, it, you get to the point where it's a lot like music where you, it's like watching Stevie Ray Vaughan play guitar. The motherfucker's not thinking about the music. He's just doing it yeah. and it's beautiful. And um, that's what it feels like with a lot of growers here, you know, you know, like Mandelbrot and, and Jackson and, sure. and, you know, you guys, you know, and, and cats, you know, especially hash cats like Frenchie and, and Nick and T who kill the hash and whatnot. It's like, it's, it's, you're watching art happen when these cats are doing their craft. Yeah, well, and it's also everyone has yeah. their own approach, which is that's what I like about growing in general is to go hang out with somebody else who does something, and it's like every grower has a few tricks up their sleeve, you know what I mean? Whether it be just being smart, like you go into a room and you're like, oh, that's fucking genius. I mean, he holds that up with that. Yeah, like, oh, yeah, I'd use a rope to hang yeah, that. Yeah, I'd use like, a rope to hang that. Yeah, like, oh, my fucking God, I've been hitting my head on that thing forever. What the yeah. fuck was this guy's genius? You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. <laughs> but it's like those little things, and then like, that's kind of. Like the first time I saw trellis netting was probably, I, I reacted like the fucking first caveman who saw fire. <laughs> <laughs> right. I was like, what? I don't have to use thousands of bamboo and jute. Holy shit. Yeah, no more poking my eyes out, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's like God. Yeah, no. There's certain, and, and that was the thing about living in Holland is it was a lot of indoor stuff, and there was a lot of greenhouse adapted stuff. That was like, if you go to the greenhouse supply stores in Holland, there's so many parts, like things you just got like, what the fuck are they using that for? Like you're like walking around. There's like because they have like everything thought out. Like they don't miss a beat. You know, every plant has a support. And every kind of support is different for every kind of plant. And wow. Like, so, like, you're looking at all these things. You're like, what are these things? And I'm trying to adapt them for weed every time. And I, I'd go into this. I would go in with the one idea and come out completely, like, oh, I found this. And then, you know, it was like all the guys around these stores would kind of, like, they'd be looking at me for a while because they know I just would be, like, look kind of like a caveman, too. Like, grabbing just random things and, like, pushing them together. And I'm like, <laughs> does that work? Like, no, that doesn't work. You know, does that does that make sense? You know, and then... Then figuring out stuff like, oh, yeah, you need to put that in there or else the whole fucking shit drains out. Like, oh, now I understand. You know, like only through 
because I didn't know who to ask. I mean, it was in another country too, so it was always like trying to explain stuff, and the guy would always be like, "Nah, they ain't, ain't happening," you know. And I'd be like, "Come on, dude, they have them in America," you know. The guy would be like, "It's not America." <laughs> <laughs> but they had so many other things that we never had because they—that's what they did—is just build greenhouses, you know. So. But in general, I think this industry is going to be like that too. Where a few years from now, there'll be you know purpose-built cage. I even saw them at the show. Purpose-built cages that are being designed for weed. You know what I mean? That are not adapting another one or building it from scratch. You know, and it's like wow, this stuff's all happening. You know, where it's like pretty much if you make something, and that's the thing, if you do something in your room and it's fucking smart, you might want to turn that into an invention because there's another thirty, you know, maybe thirty to fifty thousand guys like you doing the same thing your style, you know what I mean? And then those guys all would, would, would benefit, which, Man, which, you know, that's the industry growing. Yeah. It, that's crazy. Imagine what greenhouses are going to look like in just five years. A lot of people up here, we think we're going to start growing in greenhouses pretty soon because, you know, people are going to start planting hemp down in the Valley, you yeah. know, and, and it's crazy just seeing, you know, when I first came up here, a lot of people were, you know, only the really, really big guys were using cold frames. And, you know, everybody was running PVC hoops with, um, you know, with, with the really cheap uh, poly plastic. Now everybody's running a cold frame. A lot of people are doing the automatic light depths. And this, this change has happened like the last three years. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, man, the next five years, you have all these new innovations coming out with, you know, with controlling the entire greenhouse, with different ways you're talking about supporting the plants. Like, I'm interested in that little plant support thing you're talking about because, yeah. you know, everyone up here is about to get into like a, a, ha- a quarter to a half acre of cultivation space. So, you know, any way to optimize, you know, how you're supporting the plant, you know, is going to help, you know, increase your yields because sure. that's less the plant has to worry about, you know, supporting itself. Oh, yeah. Imagine when, you know, it's amazing when you pull down up something that's, that is, would never have grown in nature. You know what I mean? It would have just been like that branch would have broke off a yeah. long, long yeah. time ago. You know what I mean? <laughs> And then you actually you, pull it down. You're like, Jesus Christ! If I didn't put those things up, you know, that's that's the key to to big weight plants is you got to have you got to give the plants, got to let them, you know, not stress out the whole time trying to pull nutrients all the time just because they're, you know, the whole day is just heavy weight. You know, take the weight off of them, you see it immediately. Okay, beautiful. Hey, I just heard from uh, Jackson. Nice. He's uh, in Maui, running around right now. Um, looking for a place to Skype, so he said he's going to call in about a few minutes. Cool, oh, perfect, Sweet. cool. Nice. That'll be good to add him to the conversation. So, uh, you guys have worked a few projects. I know when I first met you guys a few years ago, I had had some of the. I guess it was the the. Now I don't know. Now I think it was the Chem Dog. I really don't know. It's probably the Chem Dog or the Black Lime. Yeah, the Black Lime. I I'm, I remember the lime part of it, and I remember that standing out as my favorite favorite bud I brought back home from uh, that particular cup. Um, and you guys obviously have linked up with Frenchie. So, are you? Does he distribute that the hash that he's making from what you guys are producing? Man, you know, I'm going to be real with you guys. We we weren't making any hash before we met Frenchie. It was back in 2012. I met him at the cup right after I won, and um, he he pulls out this jar. And and I had and, and my OG that I, I went with Mendo that that took me up to Mendo. He was known in his neighborhood for making really good hash. So I thought I had known you know what exquisite hash was. There was a few people on Spyrock that's been there since the seventies that were making old school Afghani style snakes. And then I meet Frenchie at the cup. 
he pulls out this little medical jar, this little tiny glass jar, and takes the top off, and it just looks like melted chocolate. And it was it was is water seeped hash. It was the first time I you know it was before all the ice wax really came out. Um, it, it, so it was a first for me before, when I when I really saw this type of hash. I'd seen you know the super melty kind, but Frenchie had this to- chocolate te- texture with a nose that I've never seen before. And you know, um, I was like, you know, I, I'm not going to smoke your shit, but you're our hash guy now. <laughs> and uh, he became our hash guy, and um, he just had this passion about. And and and, and you know, you know, we, we grew up in a uh, in a neighborhood full full of full of hustlers, and so everyone's always sizing each other up. And you know, when people are genuine, and, and Frenchie from day one was just super passionate about what he did and you know just from just from seeing his work you could judge a lot of people by their work about how much time and and care they put into it and so Frenchie started working with us ran 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 all of our stuff the the stuff that we like the most and that we we put into our seed form ended up making the best hash and so we had this cool idea. Well, I liked smoking hash, and and Frenchie liked smoking, and and, and Frenchie was you know the preeminent you know old school hash guy. And so we wanted to start testing our genetics through through hash and seeing you know the kind of yields we'd get, the kind of consistency in the resin, whether it was like a like a like a like a liquidy or a waxy or a dry sandy kind of resin. And so that kind of really helped us optimize you know our breeding efforts. And then again, here comes Jackson. Jackson comes on the team, and Mean Gene got his name. Because back in the day, before he really started growing, he was known as Gene the Screen, and so Gene this and so Gene was actually taught to make hash by an old school guy that was making old school Afghani style. Like Gene was collecting resin and diesel fuel filters, like clean diesel fuel filters, and mixing things in big thirty-five gallon trash bags with a drill and then siphoning everything off and catching it in these you know these twenty thirty micron you know perfectly clean diesel fuel filter so it's kind of just crazy the the natural you know development of you know it was kind of organic how it kind of came together you know like we started the company we were doing good with the seeds Frenchie came on board he was just a natural you know part of the team and then gene comes on ends up being this cat that is the only guy that has five to six year old pucks of hash I mean, we were selling his, he, he coined the term VSOP. He's like, this is a very special old press. You know, I pressed this out back in 2009. And that's his thing. It's his hobby. He's not a huge hash smoker. He just liked making hash and, and, and preserving it and keeping it around for his friends. Like the first time I went to his house, he pulls out a kilo of hash in, 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 a, in a fucking vacuum sealed bag. And he was like, you want some hash? I was like, whoa. It's like, I thought it was a piece of granite that was wrapped up. And that was just his thing. And so the, the hash is kind of like this traditional aspect that we try to represent because, you know, the whole thing about aficionado was to uphold these old school traditional values we learned from our OGs and our teachers and our family members. And so the hash was always just, it, it, was, it naturally folded into it because a lot of these families we learn as people start coming out of the shadows a lot of people have been making hash around here, and it's just a part of the process of making seeds. Because there's a lot of people that do seeds around here, and to and we like to sift our shit before we mix the seeds. Because nothing's worse than just breaking up perfect buds just to get to the seeds. You're like, oh, I could really use all this shit that's on my hands, you know? Yeah. So um, it's kind of it's just this beauty, this beautiful thing that we try to embody with, you know, like honoring the artistry aspect of making hash and the artistry aspect of 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 breeding and growing because it's not a business around here you know a lot of people are really weary of people who are 
who are really business oriented and business motivated because cultivation here in in long valley it's it's a it's a community and it's a family effort it's it's a fucking family thing it's cool like every family's got their own little secrets and they they all got their own little strains and so it's it that's the true beauty of it all we get to experience that world and share that world with everybody else because it just naturally comes together and and frenchy ends up being from france and he traveled throughout the world in morocco india afghanistan nepal making old world hash back in the 70s you know party and go with the crazy israeli people when, when go was hot back in the 70s and he brings that kind of you know, he brings that to the table because a lot of the growers that were here that came in the '70s were in that scene, that that scene in Goa in India. So it's a, it's a really it's a really small world, man. It's don't you guys think it's crazy how small the cannabis world is? Yeah, that's of course. You're just like, damn. How do you guys know each other? It's yeah, really no, crazy. I had, it, I had it with uh, we actually uh, both Mitch and I were saying when well Mitch more because he he was like, man, Leo's a lot younger than we thought. Yeah. <laughs> like it was like. Because you know how it is, like when you're around this kind of industry, it's, it's the same with me. I mean, maybe I'm older than people think now, but for my whole life, I'd be explaining to people, or I'd be running into people, and, and I I'd just say like one name, you know what I mean? And they'd be like, "Oh, well, wait a minute, then you must know." And it was like I had that for my whole life, and that was a lot of it was based on weed because I'm talking about if somebody said Big Sir, you know, I would mention my my friend's family, and then boom, they'd say, "Oh yeah, of course we know them," and then it's just like connected the dots a lot of times and they were um i had it at the cia in my old shop where yeah literally, literally people would walk in and i'd be talking to somebody and he'd seem really interesting and then someone else would walk in and they'd be like holy shit i haven't seen you in 20 years and then they would just like take off and go off to somewhere and be like blown away that they actually met at my spot you know and then it, it happened over and over and over and over and over and over again and it was like because of the fact that the world you know the cannabis world is pretty small amsterdam's a was a destination maybe not now anymore but it was it was the destination for so many people and the coincidences were just n never ending you know what i mean to the point where it was sometimes like okay this is getting ridiculous you know but but it was cool i like that and then those are serendipitous things like that are always the coolest thing like if you meet somebody and they know your you know mom's friend from 20 years ago and they were partners and then yeah there's a trust factor built there real quick you know what i mean whereas immediately and it's like, okay, you're the real deal. And it's like, yeah. cool. And that's like, cool, we can trust you. Because <laughs> that's the thing about our industry. You don't, it's, we, we, we're naturally a really standoffish people because we have to make sure we know we can trust people so we can protect our families. And it's not necessarily yeah. any uh, safer in the big picture when it's legal because there's plenty that's of worse. guys cutting more than ever. Cutting and running and, you know, scam artists. and. I mean, it's going to be a rough, it's it, like, it's funny though to meet people now who are, you know, fresh in the game or whatever, and it's like you're just never going to get your stripes. I'm sorry, it doesn't matter how hard you try because it's pretty much like cookie cutter shit now. You know what I mean? So it's, it's hard. It's and, hard to carve your own niche out. You know, there's going to be, and if you're in the right space, like you know, if you're in the, you live in the right place, you have the right environment, right people around you. Yes, there's definitely room to grow. Like but, the champ. Like the champ. Yeah, the champ's lucky, right? Lucky, <laughs> lucky kid. Lucky kid. But in, but in general, if you're the, with the right people, you can definitely move ahead. But it's going to get slower and, and it's going to get harder and harder for people to, to really carve deep, you know? 
Yeah, I think it's that's I like the music analogy. I think there's some people who put their time in the game, they're respected. And then you're just going to get, you know, I just I believe because I've seen a lot of talent at these shows and there's going to be some cats that just come out and they kill it just because they're passionate about it. Yeah. Well, I always said it was like yeah. DJs are like growers and then seed producers and breeders are like are like producers, you know. So they they produce beats yeah. and they put them out and some people are better at just growing like cannabis in general, that's all they do, but they don't have, they couldn't breed to save their life. And there's guys who can do it all, you know, there's, there's all arounders, and it's the same in the game, you know, because it's like, uh, yeah, it's true. And there's people who want to have parties and they want to be the fucking center of attention, but they don't really necessarily have the skill level, so they have to bring in their, their other people to make it work, you know what I mean? It's, it's almost exactly the same analogy. And you yeah. can see it all the way down the line where you're like, oh, this guy sucks. But his other guy that actually stands behind him and pushes all the buttons, that guy kills it, you know, but the other guy. So it's like you have some people <laughs> are just the face and some people are talent and the face and some people talent and no, no. Usually the most talented people have the least <laughs> social sort of skills anyway because that's what they're really yep. good at. Because like, they're just focused thing. 100% on what they do. Yeah, they're really awkward in public but really good when they're in the garden. You know what I mean? Those yeah. Yeah. But of course, you know, it doesn't mean you have to be that way, but it definitely, you get those types a lot because it's, uh, you know, if, if you're not paying attention, if you're more caring about going out and partying and stuff, then you're not really in the room. Then you're not going to really be a good grower. Than. No, man, because you have to sacrifice all the partying to grow good cannabis because you have to be there every day. It exactly. doesn't matter. It exactly. doesn't matter how automated your shit is. You got to be there. Because yeah. if you're not there, they know. <laughs> oh, yeah, and they break shit. It's like, hey, yeah, yeah, they break shit. They get upset. They throw tantrums. <laughs> you're like, how the fuck did that break all of a sudden? You're like, damn, you were really upset. Damn, all right, cool. Mm-hmm. I won't go anywhere. Yeah, no, it's true. And it's uh, it's noticeable with your own space, and it's that's why that's why these big gardens have a hard time. Like, people have 100 people in their, working in their garden, and, like, you know, the plants are not they don't know anybody they after a while they're like who the fuck are these people yeah, there's no there's no true connection between the plant and, and the person yeah and it's you kind know of like kind of like big big bio industry shit i mean that's kind of where this it's kind of where it is factory like, farmed weed yeah factory thing. farmed weed like pissed oh, off pissed hurts off my heart warehouse, pissed <laughs> off warehouse my weed. heart that's yeah. a lot of upset females yeah, exactly. You just got like a whole room full, like three thousand pissed off females that you do. Like one guy trying to like keep trying to keep. Uh, 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 yeah, <laughs> come yeah, in. I you're really all nervous. That's, that's what makes good good cannabis. So is the, is the cats that are willing to really be there, and and to and to really be there every single day. And I'm on the talk because I, I love drip lines. You know, like I I love you know the commercial aspect of what of what happens here in Humboldt and in Mendo and how people are able to do large scale, but you know really good quality but i really respect the kind of cats that that hand water the cat that took 10th place was Derek emerald he he took the cup he was the first cat to win the emerald cup five years in a row or place five years in a row in the top three this cat waters with cups like his his well so slow he can only fill a cup up at a time and he waters his plants and that's an extreme part but but gene is one of the only farmers i know that you know, is really is, is really on point with with delivering the the right amount of quantity each year, and he hand waters every single one of his plants. And but he gets eight to ten pound plants in a three hundred gallon pot. So, and I think, and and he also wins consistently. So a lot of people think that it's also that that extra time you spend with the plant. 
you know, connecting with the plant. Because every time Gene's out there watering, it's cool watching them in the garden because they'll be hand watering. You know, remind me of my OG because they're they're watering this big ass plant and they're 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 constantly they're looking at every single inch of it. So I think it allows you to create a closer, more intimate relationship with what you're growing because it's an agreement. You know, that's what I was taught. You know, and that's what that's what we we really believe in the aficionado family is that when you're when you're growing a plant, she's letting you grow her, and it's an agreement. And that your agreement is that you're going to do the best you can for her, and in return, she's going to do the best she can for you. It's kind of like having children or having a family, and so it's like it's really cool when you could see people put that time, that extra effort into loving their plants, and it really shows because the coolest people, man, like the people that win first all the time or or top five in the Emerald Cup, they're just the coolest. Most down-to-earth chill cats and they really care about what they do it's totally true uh and yeah. i mean that's like that's what we said you know it's it, it's a great way to prepare for having kids everything yeah, you're talking about just being there every day and you know all of it it's like nothing new whereas i i can't imagine just having had a kid without having some plant experience in my life you know it, I, I, it would be such a responsibility it would come out of nowhere but it's just really natural to, to care for a living thing on a regular basis and form a relationship with it. Yeah, watch it grow, watch it develop. It's beautiful. Absolutely. Um, so, now you guys have probably the coolest seed packaging that I've ever seen. I wish we could pull a picture up. You saw it, Adam. It's yeah, like the little glass bottle with the seeds in it, wax sealed, and that's in like a jewelry box. Um, I got to know how'd you come up with it. How long did it take you to come up with it? It was, I think it took us like, I was probably sketching out designs for like two weeks because um, we were we were just starting to say, hey, let's package these seeds up. But we knew we wanted to do something special because it sure. wasn't just about the person starting the seed company or, or the seed company itself. It was about Mendo. And the first person we knew that really put it on hard for any Emerald, for, for any Emerald Triangle County as far as the seed market was Emerald Mountain Seeds. And then... Um, but we wanted to do something where we, because we knew we only wanted to release them once. Because like shit, we got hundred, we got hundreds of strains. You know what do we do? We only want to release things once, so we want to make it special. We want to make it a keepsake for people, for people who really care about what they do. And so that was that was the thing of the box. The vial was actually a really scaled down version of what I do and what I was taught. Because I bury all my seeds. I don't like keeping them around the house. I'm I'm very old school with with how I keep my shit. So my OG used to take mason jars. He'd he'd stuff you know Ziploc baggies full of seeds in mason jars, and he'd close them up, and he would get some hot wax running, and he'd dip the whole fucking top of the thing in wax, and then he would wrap it in a few turkey bags, and then put it in a black trash bag and put it in the ground. And he said that sealing the jar really sealed it against any kind of condensation to really bother the seeds. And he made an effort to actually put in, you know, a little bit of rice on the bottom of the jars just to really even out any passive condensation or changes in ambient humidity because he was really anal about maintaining the integrity of the seed. And, and making sure it's cold, making sure it doesn't fucking respirate a whole lot, doesn't get big, doesn't get small, because that germ he always taught me was really, um, was really delicate and it was really sensitive. And the longer you could preserve that germ, the more your seeds will be viable. So he used to bury up really old uh, uh, jars of seeds, um, like five-year-old jars of seeds, and and the seeds in that jar were were more than five years old because he has this huge collection and. 
and they would they would they would consistently pop and so that was kind of like all right we're going to bring that in and and the red wax thing um came from oh i like scotch and i was drinking a bottle of maker's mark and hey let's let's switch from using this ugly ass beeswax to some red wax because <laughs> we were using beeswax for a while sure um, so that's how and that's how the the packaging came on and it's 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 a really the, the packaging is really uh, a really small part of 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 what we do it just ended up being pretty and that's just kind of a model that we just follow and we just keep reordering from well i mean the, one of the best parts about it is it's so i mean it's we talk about how practically to package seeds like all the time you want them in such a way that they don't get crushed you want to store them obviously you want conditions so it's, yeah it's cool to provide something thoughtful and and like you said something that uh brings the right uh, i don't know conveys the whole spirit of what you guys are about and also and also puts i mean one of the things about seeds in general is that you know like it's almost like you, you've done all this work you've grown this you know you've put this energy to breeding the plant you've grown it out you've selected it you've 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 taken the seeds to the point where you're going to get them to the public and the people are paying you know premium prices as as you know <laughs> more than anybody yeah but people are paying premium price and you know people expect a lot and if it comes to them and it looks like a piece of dog turd basically because it's in a plastic a bunch bag of seeds in a plastic I mean, bag only person who can get away with it is bodie i guess yeah. bodie's allowed to yeah be, bodie can put anything into a plastic bodie's bag. bodie exactly so <laughs> bodie's that's what bodie. we say bodie's bodie we don't talk about that <laughs> yeah, he's allowed to do that but he's in general allowed. for the most part you know everybody's and, and it's, it's it, i like to watch people developing packaging because you know i went through the learning curve too i started off with um using coin coin pouches because i could buy them super cheap and i could put my little hologram on them or I, what i would do is put like a little sticker inside of it or whatever just to kind of make it so i knew that it was mine yeah and uh i did it for my own seeds but the problem with those is that the edges of them weren't thick enough to really protect the seeds so if you had a bunch of them and you put any pressure on them you could crush them so then i was like yep. I, gotta get <laughs> I gotta get around this problem so then i developed my packaging based on having a thick enough cardboard that I can put seeds in there plus a little bit of cushioning and then seal it up and it's I can jump on it. You know, I can get up, step on it, jump on it, fucking shoot it, kick it, do whatever the hell I want and I know it's not going to break. And so before, people would say they got seeds and I never sent seeds out of the mail like, but I wholesaled them to other people. So the people I was wholesaling them to, then they were sending them out and then they were coming out crushed, you know. So I was like, what, the first day, like literally like the first day I... I put the packaging out, like, within a week I had somebody saying that they got them crushed. And I'm like, really? Show me, because, you know, I don't believe you, right? Yeah. And they showed me this photo, and it was funny because the first photo they showed me, it was impossible because it was, like, seeds crushed inside of it, and the packaging was not fucked up. And I was like, can you send me another picture? And the next picture, it's like they put it in a vice, and they, like, tried to do something with it. It was so obvious. Like, it's just impossible. The size of it and the way it's designed, you can't. I smell hackery. Oh, it was totally. And I was just like, fuck you. And you're. Because they're just trolling. There's a lot of trolls in the industry as far as when it comes to the free seeds. You know, I bought a pack of seeds and they didn't germ or they didn't do this or they're all male or whatever. And, you know, a lot of seed companies, I mean, my, you know, I'm included, will just send people free stuff. If they it's can, easier. It's easier. Yeah, you don't want to sit there yeah. and deal with it and say, oh, it's your fault or our fault, whose fault. And you're like, here, go for it. But then people take advantage of that, and that's all they do is sit around and hit up every seed company and hope, you know, if you hit 10 of them, one of them's going to hit, and that's 100 bucks, you know, to them. So it's like, it's got to be kind of 
semi. So it is nice when you can present it in a package that you know it, it didn't get crushed. That is that's out of the question, you know. Yeah, and then when we really when people because we hundred percent guarantee everything, so we just ask people to take pictures of the vials because we'll actually buy back seats people don't use and say, hey man, if you if you didn't fuck up the wax seal, yeah. you know, get, you know, I'll buy it back and just take it off the market because we'll either use them or we'll just put it in the vault and just let it you know just let it do its thing. But um, yeah, I think that's genius about you know, how, how you go about packaging. We went about our packaging because it was, it started because we were, we were not, we were, we were doing the, the, the county ordinance thing with the cannabis. And so we were a collective and we had to make sure we were in certain lines. So part of our big bulky ass packaging was because we never intended the seeds to leave California because mm. we wanted to be able to do, we want to be able to hundred percent guarantee our shit. Cause there's a lot of times where I've gotten seeds from people over seeds and they don't crack. And, and that's cool. It's just a part of the game, you know, charge it to the game. Cause that's, that's what we're in. But it'd be nice that because the local breeders around here, whenever they gave me seeds and, and I've had local breeders here charge me $50 a seed all day, but it was worth it. Cause it was like, wow, you have, you have stabilized OG before anybody else has stabilized OG. Sweet. I'll pay it. But these guys were always willing to guide me and to be willing to give me extra seeds if shit didn't sprout or be able to show me the certain nuances I, I could expect. And we wanted to really provide that for people because I probably email about every single grower that hits us up or has a question because we want them to have that intimate experience. Like, look, man, we're not just trying to, to charge you a premium price for your product. This is a one-time product that we're only going to release once, and we want to work with you to help grow this and to preserve this genetic because we're not working it anymore. And so if, if we could provide that with people, we thought that's cool because I think the future is going to go to that. As you know, borders start to drop and, and commerce starts to increase, every seed company is going to start to be able to 100% guarantee their seeds and, and send seeds directly to people because I dispatch private carriers to bring seed to bring replacement seeds to people's mailboxes or to their doorways so that we're 100% within state guidelines. So, you know, the whole approach to that was based around staying in Cali and the big packaging was, you know, to make an exclusive item and it was cool when we started we first came out and, pe and people were flying from Europe and flying from the East Coast and um to buy our seeds and you know which we th we view as an honor so if you fly from the East Coast we'll actually put you in a hotel room and you know we'll you'll sign up for our collective and you know, and then we'll have a private deal with you. So that's kind of the kind of customer service we wanted to bring to people because we're, you know, I think cannabis people are real quality conscious and we really pay attention to people that look out for our best interests. And, you know, you're only as good as your genetics. And that was something that was, that was heavily taught to me by all the old school cats. And so if you're giving out the genetics, you got to stand behind your shit and, 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 take the heat when you fuck up and when you do you you make good on it man you make sure you do everything to make sure that you know someone didn't feel like they got peeled you want to make sure you put out the best product possible and um you know that's all of that resonates from our packaging we really care about what we do yeah. you know the packaging is a really cheap part we just figured we put all this time our families put all this time into these strains you know what's two weeks of design and product ordering you know for nice packaging it's it's a really small component of of the entire not a world so let's let's go back to the larger component and talk a little bit about your breeding the lines you guys have worked and and your theories and methods of breeding if you will man so so i'll break down kind of how i approached breeding because the way jackson approaches breeding is a lot different i i learned a lot from him and, and especially man lebrot um man lebrot's um i learned breeding from og and um i he always told me to hey we're in the he's like flat out we're in the drug business 
but to produce the best, it has to taste good. He's like, it's not about growing the frost. It's not about, it's about the taste. And if you have the taste, then you have to have the nose. So he always taught me to select by, by, by the nose first. Uh, we would go and we'd expect the plants. We'd, he'd want to find the nose on the stalk. He'd make sure that nose resonates through the cystolith hairs on, on the little, um, you know, stems of the, of, of the leaves. And so he would teach me how to select. And so I was, I, I always was taught to breed for terpenes. And that's what Miles, he always said breed for smell. He says, if you always get that really nice, loud nose, it's going to get you high because he said THC is THC no matter what. But he said the terpenes is what unlocks the properties of, of how you feel. And, and this was an old school belief. He says, we don't have any scientific evidence of this. We just know shit be working, <laughs> you know? Yeah, and <laughs> and right. it's been and working since. Correct. Yeah, working since the 70s and 80s. And so, and, and, and that allowed me to kind of like look for strains and go, okay, I, I want this gas flavor. And I think it'd be cool if I could bring some of this cherry over. He would teach me about, you know, what, what breeds true and, and what breeds dominant. And we would just try to go for, for one cultivar. And, and that's kind of what I focused mainly on fuel strains. I really like the gas. My favorite clone growing up was the, was the Chem 91. I thought it was the best smoked I ever had. So it was part of my mission to always breed a really good Chem dog strain and, and good fuel strains. Gene, on the other hand, has a large spectrum of what he's looking for in breeding. This guy doesn't just breed, you know, generations to create one strain. He'll breed generations to create one strain just to get to another strain. And that's kind of what he did with, with his, with his cherry lime. He was like, you know, or how he's explaining things to me. And he was like, well, I know I'm looking for, you know, a certain property in my plant. So I think that if I breed this one plant that breeds true with this, I'll get, you know, I'll get a property that gives me a lot of lime. And I think when I breed that into this, maybe that will breed true and I'll get a lime and a cherry. So he really approaches it like chess, where I never approached breeding like chess. I never thought three to four moves, you know, um, you know, in front of where I was breeding. I always had a, a very clear focus of where I wanted to take the song and how I wanted her to sound and how I wanted her to smell. Gene thinks about the entire fucking album. And it was an approach to breeding that was next level to a lot of people that meet him and a lot of people that, that get familiar with how he breeds and how he selects because mine was very linear. And then on the other hand, with you know, you have me and the gene and on the other Mandelbrot. Mandelbrot was a guy who would work on several projects at a time just because he had the space to run thousands and thousands and thousands of clones. He would start at least 5,000 seeds, you know, when he was at least running one or two strains. And this isn't Mendo, man, where, where, where back in the day it was hell illegal to do this. And you were really risking it. He was risking it all just, just for his craft. And the way he navigates through his selection process and what he looks in leaf morphology and nose and, you know, and bud structure and, and, and just the period of time in which we select is, is all different. I like to select, you know, in veg and take my notes in veg and then see what it does right before flower and then wait for flower to end and take a lot of clones and then flower everything out. You know, it's a really long-term process because I only do it outdoors. I was only taught to do it outdoors. So it's season by season. You know, whereas Jackson has 30 years of knowledge, he already, he has so much breeding experience, he could just t pull from his toolbox and knows what kind of car he's going to build next, just with the tools he had because he made his own tools. Whereas where my tools came from, you know, a lot of old school growers who were all made their own tools like Jackson toolboxes. And I have this really cool collection of, 
of these really unique genes, and then Gene ha- makes his own tools and, and whatnot. And then you have Mandelbrot, who is able to, he was the last person who had the roadkill skunk. That's why that roadkill skunk you guys were talking about, that was, that was like my holy grail. Cause, and he called his the Amherst super skunk, which came from Massachusetts. He sure. brought, Massachusetts he brought back skunk, from Massachusetts. Yeah. So it was incredible, man. The skunkiest nose. And he made an effort to bring that note, to bring that um, strain into, and to keep breeding that. And I think he was working with someone in Humboldt who had that cut too. And so they were trying to stabilize certain smells, but everybody has a different approach on breeding. And so I think, you know, the more involved breeders in, in, in the company were de- is definitely Jackson and, and, and Mandelbrot, but he's passed away, but he's still left, you know, a lot of his gifts and a lot of his creations. But what Jackson's doing, um, a lot of people, a lot of the old school growers in Humboldt really think that he's on a different level as far as how he approaches what he does. Um, it's, it's, it's pretty incredible. I'm going to take a peek in the chat room here and see if we have any questions because there's usually... You do shout-outs too. It's important. Oh, we do have to do our shout-outs. Do you want to start shout-outs, Adam? That's sure. a great look. Great idea, huh? Um, we'll give a shout-out right now to our number one sponsor, Way to Grow. Seven locations here in Colorado, and uh, they have a new one now, the latest one up in Silverthorne, up in the mountains. Uh, my favorite shop is the 1051 Platte River shop, uh, 20,000 square foot. That's the newest one. They also have Concentrate Corner there. Get all your Concentrate gear. They got ovens. They got beakers. They got everything. What do they got? They got, they got it they all. They got it all. Silicone mats. And um, they got great right discounts doing, if you say Adam Dunshow. Adam Dunshow. And I think they're doing, they were just still doing the... the CMHs? Um, the CMHs, yes. The... Uh, what do they call the sale? The light it up, the light the new year. No, uh, I don't know. I have to remember. I can't never remember the name of the sale. They always have some silly. <laughs> Come on, it's Marion Bright. Bright, the Marion Bright sale. Booyah. Bright. Um, they got LECs uh, from Sunlight for four thirty nine for the three fifteen watt uh, one hundred twenty volt four nineteen for the three fifteen watt two forty volt uh, seven sixty five for the six thirty watt one hundred twenty volt and. Seven hundred dollars for the six thirty watt. And if you're not if you're not rocking easily yet, for, especially in your veg, you should definitely be trying them because we love them. Yeah, they're awesome, and they're great for taking photos under too. That's one thing. Yeah, all your photos look great. If you're into Instagram, <laughs> you'll love it. If you're into yeah, Instagram guy must have. It's a must have item. So it's the, for the Instagram order. gift of the holiday season <laughs> for your Instagram grower. Instagram grower. It's a whole new it's a whole new genre. Um, big also, big shout out to Incredibles Edibles. Our favorite edibles company. We Congratulations the on their award. Awards, right? Didn't they win a few? And Trailblazer for sure. They I thought multiple. they won a couple Trailblazers. Oh, man. Did they get a couple even? I think so. I think, why didn't I get a couple? Now I'm know, buddy. Now <laughs> I'm ripping. <laughs> but uh, no, they haven't had the kill in the game with their bars. I mean, they're just everywhere. We Every time I turn around, it's like if there's a news story, it's got to be every Incredibles, right? I mean, there's... Unless it's a bad news story. No, yeah, they'll even use them in bad. Good and bad. We'll just use their name because it's such a good product. Oh, yeah. They, uh, they get mentioned. We have another call coming in? Uh, no, hold on. No, we got... Boom. Yes. Oh, and call in number. I will, yep. I will get that sent over. Send it over. Um, I shall. But we're there out in, out in D.C. It's great to hang out with those guys. Uh, and, yeah, no, they're, they're, their booth was definitely one of the busiest ones. And... Uh, they also have their, they're doing the Incredible Extractor, Incredible Bars. It's just incredible. It's just incredible. It's just incredible. And you can find out at IncrediblesColorado.com 
Also, a uh, big, big shout-out to Build the Soil. Jeremy. Uh, our I, favorite. I never get to see him. You didn't get to see him? No. Man, it was really cool to see Jeremy out at uh, Emerald Cup. I only got to see him briefly, but it was really exciting. Uh, you know, we've we've... He's grown with the Adam Dunn show pretty much from way, way back. And uh, it was cool to finally meet him in person, uh, give him a hug. Uh, Build the Soil is our favorite resource for organic plant amendments. Uh, you want to make your own soil. You want to grow your own soil constituents. You want to brew teas. You want to farm earthworms. Um, if you want to do any of the stuff we talk about on our organic episodes, we recommend you do it with Build the Soil. Jeremy sources only the best products. Uh, his price is the the most fair he can make it and uh he definitely really is very proud to present the the very best uh so check him out at buildthesoil.com also big big shout out to mary's nutritionals elite cannabis uh and that whole family uh providing some of the best cbd products out here in the colorado legal market they do ship uh nationwide with some some restrictions you can find out more about them at marysnutritionals.com They've got a pure CBD oil. They've got topicals. They actually have some patches that are we saw take we take, take a, its effect on bike. Pound, take a three hundred pound man down. Yeah, like, <laughs> like really like work like a little girl. Look at a little girl. <laughs> <laughs> he was a little girl by the end of the show. Uh, and you can you can uh, find a lot of those products on uh, marysnutritionals.com. They also have products for pets if you have pets that are uh, later in life uh, suffering. Relieve it with CBD. God damn it. Uh, and don't we're forget, back. Don't forget Dark Horse. Dark Horse Genetics. God, you almost forgot your own almost, your own company. Own company. For. Uh, what, what do they got? What do they got? They got extracted rosin, and they got AU they AU got, extracts they got, they got live champ, resin. They have they have, have award winning. They have the champs award winning hand pressed by the man rosin <laughs> by the champ uh, <laughs> every time. Every time, every time, he hits, every that, one. Button. He hits, he that, hits button. that button. He actually hits that button, and it goes. Grr, 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 grr. And he smells it himself. He smells every gram himself. Every True gram fact. smell. Yeah, every. But, yeah. And I'll say this about it: his quality control is really good. Wait, you guys are looking at it, going, "Yeah, good." Yeah, no, he's no. doing it. Yeah, he's really on point with it. That's good. So, um, yeah, and, uh, and no he's more man bun. And no more man bun. No more man bun. He's on the shelves at Kind Love. <laughs> Uh, it's been moving really fast there. He's on the shelves at Grow Life down in Colorado Springs. Uh, so if you're in the medical market, look for uh, extracted rosin. Uh, and also take a look out for the AU Shatter and Live Resin. That's on the shelf at the Pig & Whistle in Denver. Uh, it's on the shelf in a few stores, all medical right now. Um, but the, a- the AU stuff is uh, pretty bomb. I put out a bunch of that last week. Uh, and let's bring it back to the show. Well, actually, hits that button. <laughs> What was that? Was that, that? Was cool. that was cool. That was, that was a cool little thing. Yeah, yeah robot. Bap, bap, bap. <laughs> Is that us? Is that what we sound like? No, that was, was that you guys? Reverse. Yeah, that was us probably. Bap, 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 bap. Robots. Yeah. Robots. So, so we're back. We're back. Yeah. So we're back. If uh, Gene wants to dial in, he can call, he can do that whenever he... And you sent him a number. I, I shot him a text. He cool, should cool. be calling at any time now. Is that what we're, is that what we're smoking right no, now? No. What are we smoking now? What came out of the thing to open up that jar? Oh, but this is just a random. When did, random. did we smoke this? <coughs> we just did earlier. Yeah. Where was the bird kill skunk? We smoked that too. Yeah, we smoked two joints. Yes, I didn't know that. Now I thought we smoked one. Okay, we're on the third okay. joint. Okay. <laughs> He's like, oh, you got one on me. Uh, yeah, you did, yeah, yeah, definitely did. Um, maybe you, maybe you smoked two joints. I smoked one. Um, so let's talk about where you guys are headed. Um, what's what's ahead in the future for you guys are you are you looking to connect with more families out there and represent more of these lines 
Uh, yeah, there... go ahead. Yeah, we're always uh, looking um, looking to connect with with more families um, and to see what we could showcase as, as far as Mendo. Um, you know, Gene and I, we have you know our trajectory as far as breeding is. We want to still be able to just maintain you know the kind of way we've been breeding throughout the past two years you know few years because you know it's been kind of we think it gives us our competitive edge we you know because we select from our outdoor you know production plants and, and and what we're selecting in that case um but we're we're we're, we're in the talks of of it's getting to the point where um you know, california's legalizing and uh, there's, there's going to be a lot of commercial farms so we're working with a few nurseries to you know we want to put breeder certified clones on the market you know, for, for, for serious production growers and serious hobbyists and people that, you know, are willing to, you know, that, that want, you know, the grower to grower support of, you know, how you could grow that clone best and, you know, breeder certified as far as, you know, knowing that you have the right amount of cut. Cause we want to do the same thing where we're doing where our seeds, where we release the clone and it's limited. Right. Um, and cause that's what makes things special. That's what made, you know, cookies special, you know, um, that's what brought cookies to the market. It was, you know, it wasn't just the hype. It was, it was the people that were willing to pay for the cut because the production people were getting that much more for their pounds, you know, in, in, in NorCal. And, but it's not, not just about, um, the, the, the price point of the pounds. It's about the, 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 the growers who are, who are, who are quality conscious and do, and do want to do anything, but, and just want to do triple a boutique and because that's the kind of growers that we want to cater to that's what we care about you know we really don't care if, if people want to work our strains so they could do huge production runs of machine trim cannabis we're in the biz we're not in the cannabis business we're in the quality business so you know whatever we could do with releasing a clone or a seed and ensuring that it's grown to its best ability that's what we're into so we're into you know looking at options in colorado um, into looking at options in, in Washington where we select a few farms that are trusted and that want to work close with the family to, to produce a unique clone because we're thinking about releasing something that's unique to Colorado. So if you want to experience that flower, you have to go experience it in Colorado. And uh, if you want to go experience something unique, you have to go to Washington to, to get what they have and, and vice versa. And maybe Colorado could have some of the things that, you know, we also push here in Cali. So we, you know, we generate a market for it. But it's really all about keeping things special. That's why people go out of their way to look for people like aficionado or pay the big dollars for a Bodhi because that shit's special. And a lot of people aren't doing it the way that Bodie's doing or, or even Coastal's doing, you know, these cats that, you know, are really hard into, you know, knowing their craft. So, you know, I think that we're all, you know, in the future, we're just really seeing how the market plays out. We're just going to keep, you know, um, developing strains like we always have. And now we get to, we have the cool opportunity to, to show the world our flowers. We could, we could actually be a licensed cannabis farm here in, in mendocino and humboldt and that's that's big news for us and because that's a big news for for the rest of the neighborhood who grows fires so that's our big effort is concentrating on you know delivering quality cannabis at at, at the levels where the emerald triangle is known as a, as a production region all right and we have someone calling in now i'm going to try to add them to the group call here yeah all right welcome to the adam dunn show does that mean gene do we have a new caller I swear they're linked in. Yeah, I see it on the on the thing. You see it? Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. you're calling on Skype. Um, not muted. I wonder if he can hear us. Maybe he has muted the phone by accident. 
Yes, uh, more stoner tech. More stoner tech. It's well, okay. They love it. We're much better at breeding and growing right. than we are. Hopefully, it's Gene. So, Gene, we're gonna we're gonna hang up on you and have you call us back. Okay. And if that wasn't Gene, well, call Gene to call, I guess. Oh, no, now we just <laughs> muted him, I guess, and now we bring him back. Oh, oh, no, no. Yeah, he's off the call. Okay. Oh, there we One go. One more time. Try it again. Add to group call. Welcome to the Adam Dunn Show. Do we have you on the line? Yeah, hello. This is Frenchy. Oh, Frenchy! Ah, yeah! Frenchies. <laughs> Good how you, morning. How are you guys? How you doing, man? Shit, that good. Hey, Frenchy, did you hear how these guys want to support some cats that are growing in the Becca Valley? I love how you cats did that at the, at the beginning of the show. Because I think Frenchy would, me and Frenchy would like to support that. Nice. Nice. He's yeah, got we'll, a he's got a soft spot for the Becca Valley. We don't know how to figure out how to do it. Maybe you know how to do it better than us. But apparently, there's refugees who are taking up work growing in the Becca Valley. So we want to figure out some way to do like a fundraiser or support thing. Man, maybe a GoFundMe or something yeah, yeah. or crowdfunding. So, somebody is taking the Becca Valley. How could they? The guys, those people are armed like there is their own army couldn't get them out of the Becca. Yeah, I think that's why re- refugees are, are fleeing there, because they're safe there. Yeah, they're fleeing I mean, Syria. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess you see all those Syrian refugees are all over Europe. There must be a lot of them in, uh, in Lebanon. It's next door. Yeah, exactly. There's only one... Uh, there is only one range of mountain to separate the two countries. Well, yeah, I never thought about that. So they're there making hash, so we got to uh, figure out some way to <laughs> gotta help them out. support that. Yeah, if hash is defeating ISIS, we'll, we'll, we'll play a role in that, absolutely. We'll support <laughs> that. But, I mean, it's like this Beka Valley is all, all by, uh, by small uh, family and villages. It's very uh, tribal territory. Mm-hmm. I, I wonder how they really taking uh, how they taking all these people in uh, <laughs> under their wing. Is that how could they manage? It must be hundreds of thousands of them. Yeah, that's uh, that's it. I'll look and see if we can find more articles about it. That's a really good point. Maybe then maybe we can do something that really actually helps on a big scale. That'd be nice. If that's the case, that would be really cool. Um, so thanks for calling in, Frenchie. It's good to have more of the aficionado Yay. family on the uh, on the line here. Um, it's really cool to uh, to talk to you guys. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> we were just talking about today before the show how the episode we did with you kind of on the fly is that's oh, one of my favorite favorite good. things we've done, man. Yeah, it was really good. It was uh, also I was just saying how in the room, like the minute you started getting into your into into your Frenchiness, <laughs> it was like <laughs> everybody was like everybody was just looking over like wow something, something's going on over here <laughs> something, going, something real passionate going no on but it's not it was cool because it's it's like uh, it's not really like a, a radio interview it's more like a, a discussion between friends yeah. around the table it's uh, it was really pretty nice no we, we had a great time and uh I, we never heard about anything bad about the house, so I guess we we, we yeah. I guess we, I guess the people who actually <laughs> live there uh, the people did, never find out. They never found out we did the show, so that was good. I should have left them like a link in the in the mirror in the bathroom or something. Yeah, check out the show. Um, so, 
Frenchie, when when you guys got when you got connected with Aficionado, you'd obviously been working your craft for a long time, and I was really really pleased to see a cool interview that that has been circulating this week that you did uh, with I think SF Gate. Um, but uh, when you linked up with these guys, what what made you realize that these were the people you wanted to be working with? Um, you know, it's like it's when things happen. You just have to follow it. I, uh, as a ash maker, all my travels, if I wanted the best resin, I had to go to the local people who grew it and make their own ash in producing places. So for me, here was Emerald Triangle. And, uh, and with Leo in 212, when he win, it was just mean to happen. The, he was coming down the hill with a bunch of people around me burning his cam dog. And uh, he, uh, he smelled the jar of ash, and three weeks later, we started. It's like, it's like a when stuff pe- are like mean to happen. It, MK, it was MK Ultra hash. Oh, awesome. There you go. Even, even yeah. <laughs> it was MK Ultra. We, we speak the same language. That's the most funny. important thing for us is terpen. They grow terpen, and me, I collect terpen. So it was just mean to happen. Yeah, I was just saying, it's like that old Reese's peanut butter commercial where they're like, you got your chocolate in my peanut butter. You got your peanut butter in my chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, that's it. You guys are friends forever, right? Perfect. <laughs> so uh, we, got a, we do have a chat room question asking about some of your strains. Uh, it looks like the cuvee and the red Hindu people were asking about. I don't know if you can tell us anything about those, Leo. Uh, the cuvee strain was um, um, was a Pinot was was an offshoot of the Pinot Noir project, um, which was a which was a blackberry Pakistani cross. And um, you know what the weird thing about that cut was? Um, it was a lot like blackberry. It was it was bigger than blackberry. It grew a little big, bigger buds. It was just as frosty. It had a had a slightly different nose, but it was amazing commercial strain. It was great for for doing large numbers and having a really consistent bag. Um, the smoke was quality. Um, I personally, I, I really wasn't a big fan of it. I was really, I was ready to to just toss the clone out. Um, it was really finicky. A lot of the blueberry tendencies that are from the blackberry really came out. Um, in that particular cut that we kept because it was really light sensitive it had you know a lot of the um the auto flowering tendencies were really you know really dominant in that plant when you know when it had the the slightest shift in in, in photo period um and make this thing wig out but when you when you were able to tame it um it, it produced a really nice plant but frenchie was able to I, I never ran my hash i always sold the trim when i when i sold the units but so when frenchie ran the hash um, it made a really unique sort of like hard chocolate truffle kind of consistency of hash, and it it melted into just pure liquid when you put a flame in it, and it had a really chocolatey, perfumey taste. And so that's so we kept working the Pinot, even though I didn't like it. I was like, oh, it makes great hash, and people really enjoy it. You know, let's keep growing it. Um, and so we ended up getting the cut to Subcool. And Subcool um, took the cut because he really liked the uh, he he really liked the chocolate hash that Frenchie was making, and he was smoking Pinot hash for months. So we gave him a cut, and he ran that he ran his uh, Space Queen into the and that was the Cuvée is really was just a TGA um, project, you know. You know, it, me and Sub are buddies, and 
I think he's a cool guy. So he has the cut, and he's been taking care of it and running it. And I guess people really like the cuvee. I, I like the smoke. I like how early it is. And um, but as far as the Pinot, the Pinot was a, a project that you know I abandoned a while ago. And but because Frenchie came online, now we're going to reintroduce you know the blackberry and the Pakistanis back into it. More of the Afghani influences, things from the Pinot that that Frenchie really enjoyed is something that we're going to reintroduce. And you know those things were things that Gene was working on on his own, you know, for a long time because he was working old school Afghani's, black Afghani's, and old school blue Hindus, the, the, the blue Hindus that predated monkey balls and, and the deep chunk. That, that Tom Hill bred up on the hill, you know, a long time ago. You know, these are all from some from similar lines from around the area. So, you know, that's a little history on, you know, those genetics that we work with. Um, as far as the Red Hindu, um, I'd rather let, wait, Gene to come online and talk about that because that was really Gene's, that's Gene's project. And um, he, had, he had a legged Hindu, uh, a big red Hindu, and this PK. And, um... I want Gene to talk about it because I don't know if it was a PK clone or PK seed because there was a really good PK seed stock that was up on Woodman Canyon for years that produced consistent OG seed stock and it had the nose and it was and it was relatively early but it had a lot of this Afghani heavy this sort of Pakistani influence where you know the plants were you know they stayed pretty stout they stayed really dense and they had that same kind of resin profile that you get from those. And so Jackson's Big Red Hindu is just this, it's a really large frame, almost papaya, grapefruit smelling, you know, indica, whereas most of your pure indicas tend to express themselves like these really short, stocky, stout, you know, thick mm. frames, you know, where this one is just a really big, it's almost, it grows really similar to like the Black Lime Reserve where it kind of branches out in these huge candelabras, but it's just a really large towering plant, but with, um, you know, a nice pure indica heritage. Right, like kind of real old school Cali style almost. Really. Yeah, no, oh no, uh, old, old, old traditional Kus plant. Hmm. Nothing, nothing to do with you guys. That's some Kus that they brought. I don't know where they picked that one up on the border of Fakir, Afghanistan. Mm -hmm. But this is like, you know, between between the change. From the pure sativa in the uh, in the uh, Himalaya to the Indukus, deep into the Indukus, there is that limit where it's right there. The, the Himalaya and the Indukus touch. It's not. It doesn't. It's not as dry and arid as deeper in the Indukus. There you find the the oldest Londres Afghani plant, and that must be. The, the ancestor of Jews. Nice. So, um, what, what do you got? I'm, I'm texting, texting the number to Leo for Jackson, and then I'm also texting, I sent Jackson a message in case he happens to be on Facebook with the call in number. Well, now you're, Boom. you're on point. I'm on point. So, yeah, you just handle the, handle the, okay, the so chat. when uh, Oscar keeps asking us the same question, we're going to, what's that? About this 30%. <laughs> Plus, um, I'm trying to go back to see what screen it was. So, we're going to, I guess we have a chat room question for you guys, it sounds like. I am stuck. Can't go to it. You want me to scroll back for you, bud? Yep. All right, I'm on Oscar's it. On it. Oscar keeps asking. Okay, okay. 
We will ask that for you. That's Dave. I know it is. Okay. PK. Oh, you. you asking about PK? No. Thirty percent plus. What's thirty percent plus? Did he? Uh, did he, he mention does. a strain? Yeah, he does. Huh? Uh, no, that's where he came in the chat room. I don't know, buddy. It's in there. You're going too fast this way. <laughs> you scroll too fast. Kyber pass PK. I don't know, ma'am. Kyber pass PK, huh? That's oh, question. The 1978 Affy tested at 30 percent THC. Question mark. Question mark. Question, question mark. mark. Question mark. I don't know if it was 30 percent. That one, um, the the one that tested at 29.5 um, was an outdoor was grown outdoors, and that was selected by Kevin Jodry over at Wonderland um, Nursery up in Garberville. And that one was uh, a two to one CBD. It was 19 percent CBD and 10 percent THC. It was pretty crazy. Right. So it was a 30 percent cannabinoid. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Total. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, that one, and I forgot to bring up bring up that project. John Q was one of the original breeders um, with the Emerald Cup. Um, I mean, um, um, with Aficionado, who also um, was a first place Emerald Cup winner. And um, the, um, he's he was he was a really good underground breeder, and he he rolled with this family that was that was curating a lot of the old affies that came from the seven you know the seventy eight affie. They did the sour best shit ever that won. It was a landslide win in two thousand and eleven, and it was when Garberville took the cup. And um, so John Q released the seventy eight leog affie. The interesting name about that is it has packy in it. And there is no Affy. So it was originally called the best shit ever because it came from Vacaville in 78 and the cross was made, you know, back then. And so it's been floating around, it went from Vacaville to, to Trinity and then down to Trinity, down to, um, you know, some uh, Samoan family or Guamanian family down in L.A. Because I talked to Aaron from DNA. And um, and San Bernardino, and he was asking me about the Eliafi, and he was like, "Hey, what's up with the Eliafi?" And um, he was like, "Yeah, we got it from these people, and I think we came to a consensus on the you know the type of family that it came from. So th we definitely shared similar genetics, whereas you know our version was worked you know by this guy's family and by this guy you know apart from the DNA release for years, and so." the L.A. Affy name stuck, but it was always known as, you know, the 78. You know, when everyone was like, hey, man, do you have the 78 seeds? Because nobody ever gave the 78 seeds away, the L.A. Affy. So, um, you know, I, I figured I'd give a, a shout-out to John Q because he was one of the first breeders with us, too. Nice. Yeah, yeah definitely. Um, thanks for answering that question. So, But it did, did it test in the high 20s? Man, it's a consistent high tester. Um, the it's it always tests above, um, you know, twenty percent whether it's CBD dominant or it's uh, THC dominant. But you're always going to have a nice ratio of THC and CBD. And but I think we've gotten a high THC pheno that tests around twenty six, twenty seven, and that also came from Kevin's camp. And but that one's unreleased right now. Mm. Um, most of ours that tested really high, they're they're all from seed plant seed stock that we grow out for a full term and then you know the, the plants you know one and done and in ash it translated in high 70 uh, low 80 i think the the maximum cannabinoid i had was 85 on, on water hash right on water yeah. hash yeah, yeah that's awesome. and uh and uh, they, i had a lot of phenotype but all were amazing 
I can't leave it alone. And I think it's interesting that you guys work uh, breeding for hash. Like, no one else is really breeding for hash. And, and so, Frenchie, do you find that that gives you some sort of some amount of input on the breeding process for these guys? Oh, it's, it's not that we're really breeding for hash yet, except if they, if they really give me back that Pinot Noir that I've been begging. Because that's an amazing ash plant. If I had to choose one, and I'm not really into favorites, uh, Pinot Noir would be it. Because she had everything. The amount of resin, the terpen profile, everything. Otherwise, I'm more a quality control guy. Because the flower may seem amazing, but the resin is the end of the game. So I can really pinpoint the quality of the of the resin both way like they almost gave up a strain and because I made the I made ash from uh, from the flower they decided that after all the resin was just too amazing doesn't matter how the flower looks uh, look like so it goes it's it's more a quality control yet than um, uh, a breeding destination or a breeding goal, yeah. Yeah, definitely a quality control measure, more so. Because um, we'll still release things that don't make really good hash, but people really enjoy smoking the flower. Sure. And so um, we did that with the Family Vault Purple, which was an old school cross from Elle's family up on the back of Spy Rock, which was bred by this guy that's been back there since the 70s. And um, he's been working that line for a long time. And people, he he brought it to because he likes flowers, and that guy smokes flowers. And so he, I didn't want to release the strain for the longest time. But everybody in the family's like, man, that's really good. They're always the first pounds to move. People really enjoy the smoke. It might make shitty hash, but let's let's give the seeds a try. And people people seem to like the flowers on that. So it really is kind of a quality control thing, more so than you know we breed for ash. You know we want to. We do have projects that we have that we're working on for Frenchie, you know, where Frenchie could, you know, be the sole person to, to breed this particular cross that's bred just for him, that's bred just for hash, for, for resin yields and melt, you know, and, and, and how it looks on a full spectrum hash level if all the microns press consistently. Because we're seeing in our, in our breeding, or at least in my, my aspect of the breeding and my growing, is that Frenchie collects every single micron and he blends them together. Because his argument is that um, the, the, the best hash, the best resin, the best quality plant, you know, the resin's going to have a sort of consistency where it's all going to blend together. And you could really, you know, pinpoint and identify the key quality aspects of that grower's product. So we know that some strains, you know, only certain microns will press, not the full spectrum will press. So that's not something that will probably put for you know hash production use but you know usually those strains are the strains that are really aromatic they do have a high terpene count and you know they're good just for you know smoke in the bud so um you know breeding for hash is, is a whole different monster that you know maybe gene could you know definitely chime in on and, and um educate us on yeah so, well i think that's going to be the future of growing for a lot of people 100 percent because 100 like, percent oh, okay well if it's that much more work to get the resin off the plant, or that much less work to get the resin off the plant, it's almost like when you you know how it's when you do your selection, and you know, a lot of it comes down to the 
for the trimming of the weed. If you're yeah, like, really. It's hard to trim. If it's hard to trim, it may not make the cut. You know what I mean? It's like everybody's just, there tearing at it, and it's like pulling yeah, and you're like, oh, I don't know if I could deal with this. I think I'm think no. I'm, I'm done with it. Actually, <laughs> like at that point, you know what I mean? Or you spend all that time breeding something, and it looks beautiful, the bud stacking up right, and it all the way through flower, and then you're like, fuck, it's really leafy. Yeah, <laughs> you exactly. Know? The leafy factor kills it, you know, and then it's like. And then when it dries up, it's like, eh, that ain't what, what, it is hardly what you thought it was. Yeah. The Pinot was like that. It was leafy. I didn't like it because just for the aspects, but the leaves, the trichomes went all the way out to the leaf tips. So it was one of the rare aspects where, all right, we'll probably keep this around just for hash. Sure. But I don't like the leafy weed, man. Trimmers yeah. don't like it. It doesn't look good in a bag. Yeah. I mean, yeah. but then you get other ones that are like, you know, unbelievable. You can like just go like click, 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 and you're like, really? Then I think I'm gonna grow this more. Of yeah, this. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's a big game changer for most people. Like, like a really good headband or a good sours like that, or a really good OG and a good cookies. Yeah, well, sometimes you know, just, like because it's for me, it's always about like if the leaf just kind of falls off naturally and it's real easy, you just pop it off, and it's got a lot of resin on it. And you keep those separate. You know, that's like your second stage. You do your first initial big, big leaf thing, get rid of that, and then you go in and de-leaf the, the when is a when is a real leafy bud, and you can and you can actually pull those leaves out, and they're really resiny. Then I feel like I'm getting like a twofer, you know what I mean? But I have to, yeah, it's extra yeah. work. It's extra work, but you <laughs> it get, is. You have one tray of just those little leaves, you know what I mean? And those are, it, it's unique. You get like I think with leaf compared to bud, it's almost sometimes easier to get the resin off quicker and, and cleaner than it is when you have to break up bud and get into it and you sort of have a harder I mean, you might get more yield but you kind of have a harder time getting to that yield and your quality suffers a little bit you know at least not maybe not every time but definitely uh like with a leaf you have the top and you have the bottom and that's all there is there's nowhere else you know what i mean so, adam if you think of it per square centimeter or millimeter there is much more resin on the on sugar trim than on the hard uh, bud. Right. If the bird is not dense, it's okay. If the bud is dense, yeah. doesn't matter how much you cut it open. Inside, there is not that much to pick up. Yeah, it's a different kind of. It's all small and and it's, a, it's not like nice stocked capitate trichomes, you know, which is always that's mm, what we're looking exactly. for. Exactly. But yeah, I think also that like what I've seen too is some. I mean, I've seen people getting three pounds uh, a light indoor with gavitas just because they're growing food, yeah because they're growing them so tall and they don't give a shit because it's all going into <laughs> it's all going into extracts so they would grow like nine foot plants and stack, wow. and stack them in next to each other in five gallon pots so it's almost like when you look at it from the side it's like a hemp field yeah, of, uh, yeah. because you've got these stalks that go up over your head and then the buds start you know what i mean and the buds start yeah. up, yeah. like Okay, this is a little different approach. You know what I mean. The only way to get to them is with a ladder, and, you, and you, there's really not as much work maintenance as far as deleafing and stuff because everything is being used. You know what I mean. They'll deleaf the what they can, and then at the end, it's just like let those rip. So you'll get some crazy deals. And then you know, it's a little bit like that. That they're trying to mimic uh, outdoor producing country where you grow for raising. You don't grow for buds, mm -hmm. but they do it indoor, so it looks really weird. Yeah. But uh, if you uh, if you step back a little bit, you look at it; it's very much the same, but just indoor. Mm -hmm. Like they're producing resin; they don't produce uh, buds anymore. They don't care about the flower. Yeah. The flower just holds the resin. That's all. 
Yeah, that's what I mean. That's kind of been my, my motto for years is like, well, all we are is resin farmers, you know what I mean? We're just trying to figure out how to make the most resin and in, in, in it's the surface area that you're trying to create the resin on. And, you know, at a certain point, if you're don't if you're not, if you're going to go to the next step and extract it every time or take the resin off, you, you want it to be easy and, and you definitely don't need it to be super dense, tight buds that you know, and all that rock resonators and all those products out there that makes it, you know, not even burn properly, but, but, at same, but at the same time, they also don't enhance the, the, they might sound like it does. I mean, the terpenators and all these products, they're all like, yeah, we're, you know, enhances, enhances, but really it doesn't a lot of times. A lot of times it's, it locks them up in a way. Huh, I, I, I haven't heard too much feedback on the Terpinator. I was wor- I was wondering about that. I mean, I hear good because re- people love it, but it's like yeah. people that are like loving it aren't really the people you trust. They're not people yeah. I Yeah, I just want to see a side-by-side test. You know, we're really big on that on our farm. Every time we, 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 we introduce a new input into our system or we consider a new input, it has to be side-by-side tested. Because yeah. then it, you don't know. Then all your evidence is anecdotal and it's, it's based off of a long list of guesses and assumptions. But and you really just, you know, when you, when you see the results side-by-side, you actually get to smoke it. You know, you know, unequivocally, you know, shit be working. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And I mean, some of those things, but, but the crazy thing too, though, you'll try them and they'll work and then you'll bring it into your program. Yeah. And then after a while, you're like, wait a minute, I don't even know if this is really working. Yeah, it might have used yeah. to be better. Because it, somehow, it's, you know, like even though you're just dumping, especially when you start doing larger production, because it's like, it gets scary when you're throwing in yeah. $100 at a time, you know what I mean? You're just, exactly. Like, bucks, like Jesus Christ, that's like two dinners for me, and plus going out yeah. and some gas money, and you're just like yeah. throwing them in that's left That's a night right. of beers. And then, uh, you know, it... it there is a certain moment in time where you're like, wait a minute, I'm pretty sure if I dropped half these products, I wouldn't lose that much of a yield or quality. Of no. And you start to reduce them a little bit because it's easy to get addicted to like just throwing in more stuff and thinking you're going to get more out of it. But there is yeah. definitely, there's definitely a capping point. Like I know people who just, they mix, I have a friend of my mom's who just goes nuts. Anything new, you know, and she starts throwing <laughs> it and I'm like, slow down. And she's like, because you can never tell what's working, you know what I mean? At that point, you're you're no, not. No, you're just you're not, guessing at that point. You're not doing what you were saying and doing side by side. You're just sort of like, you know, the whole thing. It's a whole all or nothing, you know what I mean? Which is yeah. definitely not the way to go. No, plants don't like yeah, that. Yeah, because I heard about the Terpinator, and there's a lot of hype and a lot of buzz around it. It's, you know, around here I in our neighborhood, and combination of the fact that they're they picked the most hype word possible right now, and just that you typed in terps five years ago nobody would even know what you're talking about no they don't he now just like, like pretty much the lead the lead word yeah. in everybody's uh vocabulary when it comes to cannabis now you know what i mean if it's not about terps yeah. it's like why you're so far behind now dude you don't know what terps are <laughs> well we were we were checking out the derivative ingredients and i guess like the claim is that they get this special you know outcome by having you know, it's got essential oils in it. But as far as I know, the plant produces essential oils by converting its energy into the soil, into that on its epidermis, you know, that comes from within the plant. So, you I know, it doesn't... some stuff like uh, one of the reasons that, like, our buddies that build the soil use neem in their soil is there's some evidence that the essential oils in the neem stimulate a response in the plant, like a, a, one of the sort of immune responses in the plant to make more. Essential oils. Oh, that's interesting. So cool. It could be something, yeah. you know, along like, those lines. Like a cyto- yeah, we like know cytokinins or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Same idea. Oh, cool. Yeah, we know a lot of people definitely around here on their outdoor plants. Um, they do they do a um, top dressing with neat meal in the veg stage because it's good for the 
it's good for the nitrogen and it's also good for the pests. But I didn't know that it also stimulated other things in the immune system too. That's cool. Yeah, and that's that's one of the like weird ways that uh, where it's cool to see organic grow, uh, growing go, and and I think it it ties in well with what you guys are doing, and especially with Frenchie bringing it all the way through, and with the focus on flavors and and the sort of the cultivation based focus from beginning to end, and the quality based focus. You know, seeing seeing the new uh, advances in organics and seeing that get applied in up in the Emerald Triangle, I think is going to be really interesting. It's beautiful. You know, the craziest thing is a lot of people, you know, this is what I've always found trippy about the Emerald Triangle is that you have the world's largest community of career criminals, and most of them are organic farmers. And they didn't come, you know, some, you know, a small segment of these people came to organic farming because it's good for the planet and the runoff's good. But for the most part, people came to organic inputs just because it grew the best quality product possible. Right. You know, you can't replicate the taste of organic cannabis. And so that's the thing. It was, you know, it, or the organic movement up here was developed out of necessity, and it was also cheaper than, you know, liquid and synthetic inputs, and it was also better on the environment, and it allowed people that when you're actually working with organics, you have to be very conscious of every single element that goes in the soil and how it interplays with, you know, the micro and biological web that's that's happening in the ground at that time because it's also communicating with the plant. You know, there's a big symbiosis and a big, you know, cycle that's happening in the area, and you know, that's common knowledge here. You know, it's common knowledge, you know, amongst these people who've been, you know, operating underground for a long time, but, you know, produce quality cannabis in a very eco-conscious manner. You know, I think that's, I think that's the coolest thing. So a lot of people in the, in the industry right now is hella cool. That's the coolest thing I've seen with the indoor cats is I stopped doing indoor a long time ago. We were doing, we were doing it on generators and warehouses here in Mendo. And the indoor cat, then that was when we were all using, we were all juicing, we were all using house and garden and whatnot in Canna. But now I've seen a lot of these cats who are doing commercial indoor, or, you know, are doing full organics, they're tilling their soil, they're changing soil out, they're applying teas, they're using integrated pest management. Like, that's the coolest movement we could bring to the world. Not that we're just trying to legitimize ourselves, but our cultivation methods are not only producing a better product, but it's it's better and cleaner for the environment, and it looks better on our industry too. Because we're not Monsantoing up the fucking place and spraying Roundup on all our plants. A lot of the people who are producing really good cannabis are conscious about what they're doing. I think that's the coolest thing. So that that leads to a great. It's a great segue to uh, one thing that I want to bring us to before we wrap: the great controversy, outdoor versus indoor. <laughs> it's it's a it's it's different. You you can't compare it. I, I it's like music. It, it's it's a different it's a different beat. It's a different vibe. You know, it's indoor like is its own it's like art EDM. form. It's like EDM and, and and real classic rock. No, no, <laughs> like, it, it goes it goes deeper than that. It's another plant altogether. It's an indoor plant. They have the same genotype, but it's not an outdoor cannabis. But, a plant is a living organism that talks to everything around Earth, in, inside the ground and outside the ground. There is no indoor that can give that much power from a plant. The plant is literally pumping the long power. It's like this is something that you cannot duplicate, like the sun. You cannot duplicate that. The, the living of a plant outdoors. When she's full happy, 
Et vous non, j'ai le Fibrate, because they are so alive. We don't get that indoor. They yes. can be incredibly beautiful, but it's not the same plant. They don't live in the same environment. It's like, it's like a sativa in the Himalaya and uh, what, what we called uh, an indica in the Hindukush. It's the same plant, but they're different because it's different on environment. The indoor, it goes into that step where the plant can, can go even further in our evolution in a certain way. Yeah, I got mad respect for the indoor cats. It's its own art form. You know, I got my whole career start indoors. Um, I just had a connection with outdoors, and I like the community that, that the outdoor community thrives in. And, you know, outdoors, you know, when I really began to understand this plant, man, this plant evolved over millions of years, and it has, you know, the human genome has 24,000 genes, whereas cannabis has 30,000. And I just, you know, I know and my gut tells me that that sunlight makes that extra little oomph on the plant. There's just something else that the plant's getting, and it's not just the sunlight. It's it's the entire ecosystem around it because every the mm. plant's really aware of its surroundings, and, and, and it'll secrete certain terpenes and auxins just to just to attract or or to repel certain pests and animals just so it can manage mm -hmm. its own environment. And you really don't see that kind of interplay with plant and nature indoors unless you're really taking an extra step to really generate the entire ecosystem. But then again, the whole indoor game is all about sterility. It's a whole, it's a methodical, beautiful, mathematic algorithm that, you know, everybody's algorithm is different, you know, so... I don't think that there's which is better. It's a different art form. It's easier to get the consistency time after time with indoor. You know, outdoor is more like wine. Your seasons are always going to be different, even from depth. You know, if you're pulling tarps all the way from January to fucking December, mm -hmm. you know, each one of those three runs is going to express itself differently because the land and the plants doing something differently. The sun's at a different axis. You know, as far as its exposure on the plants and how the plants develop, and so it's like each one's its own art form. It is like I like the EDM and the classic rock thing. You know, they're different. It's it, it's it's different instruments, but you're you're still composing. You're still composing beautiful sounds. Sure. You know, people are still producing fucking beautiful product. I mean, the indoor cats that were running black lime that are up in Washington. There's some really nerdy cats that are just no, about nothing but indoor organic farming. I'm seeing. Hella good indoor product, whereas, you know, I'm mostly an outdoor. I like greenhouse and outdoor, but, you know, there's people like indoor. It's it's really good. It's its own art form, and I don't think it's going to go away, well, just like about, outdoor. And the good thing about indoor is, of course, you know, it's the adaptability of being able to go anywhere on Earth and do that again. Yeah, you, you can know, replicate that. If you're lucky that. enough to live in NorCal, then, of course, you have the ability to, to experience things that other people can't experience in other spots. Absolutely. Um, but also, one of the things I noticed, too, is if you take a plant... Like, if you're looking at plants indoors all the time, it's like you see them through kind of filtered eyes, it seems like. And the minute you take that same plant and put it outside, it's like, holy shit, dude, HD vision. Look, everything. Yeah, whoa! See everything. It's all beautiful again. So in a way, when you're looking at plants in a greenhouse, it's just in an outdoor greenhouse environment. You, I think you just, because you're not getting the strain on your eyes from the lights combined with yeah. a sort of filtered, filtered view because everything's kind yeah. of like wavy and weird and you don't really see it in, until you harvest it. It's like almost like, you know, like catching a, a fish or something. You see some kind of shiny thing in the water, but when you pull it out and get look at it up close, it's like, whoa, that's fucking crazy. Like, now you see the 
the the crazy colors that pop out. You know what I mean? Whereas you didn't see them. You saw them in the water, but they were all silver, and now it comes out yeah. like blues and all sorts of iridescent colors and stuff like that. You don't see those kind of like nuances as much indoors. No, you, you put, don't. You put the glasses on and you see them better. You get a better vision, but now you've got glasses on. So, of course, you know, you cut your vision a little bit there, too. But when you're outdoors, it, everything just is – I love it. It's like such a nice like, – Yeah. You know, I didn't get to experience much of it in Holland because it was like a little bit of greenhouse. But by the time I moved there, the greenhouse thing was kind of on the down downhill side. So I uh, saw a few but didn't get to really like hang out and work in them. But then coming back to America, it's like that's what I think has been the most rewarding is that everywhere is, you know, becoming a little bit more realistic and letting people grow outdoors. Some places not, some places figuring, you know, going against the grain or whatever. But for the most part, I think when they do, it's like cost effective wise. Come on now. There's nothing more cost effective than that. Compared than using to, the sun <laughs> instead of Because we're, yeah. we're taxing the earth pretty hard within like indoor grows are good when you need it but it's sort of terrible when you're in an environment like yeah. it's 100 degrees out and the fucking like it's sunny every day it's crazy it's you guys resource get, intensive you go on you go into a building with a 20,000 square foot roof on the top that's just cooking in the sun oh. and, and you're putting you know running all these acs to fucking cool your room to light it up it just doesn't make any sense like at the at that point you're kind of like all right now that really should have like mandatory greenhouse on top of every fucking grow just to compensate for the you know take all that energy that they're doing and, and start you know and put solar and wind power and all those things should be implemented but i mean we're all still kind of just like let's plug and play which kind of is could keep be grinding down, could it's not be, gonna last forever that's <laughs> that's could be the downfall of the more effective you know it's a side effect of prohibition, that's why. I mean, most people, they would open their roof and not pay the electricity bill if it was legal. Huh? It's just uh, the, the prohibition that put it that way. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's still the diesel generators and all the, you know, everybody taking the big risks back in the day. And power was always the, it's like the Achilles heel to everything, you know what I mean? It's like, how, how, many, how many how many people fucking got tempted and tapped into a line and fucking got themselves busted, you know what I mean? That just happened so, so many times because there was no option, you know what I mean? It was like, oh, well, fuck it, you know. You know, and, and there, that would pretty much be the downfall for the, the illegal grows, and then now when you're doing legal grows... It's it would be more the bad reputation that we're gonna have when we, we fucking black out towns and stuff at a certain point. We need to grow more, grow more really weed, drawn you know, on the brownouts all over town, you know, because of us. Well, we only have power from five to <laughs> seven in our neighborhood. The problem is we can so not afford to be role model. Exactly, as a, as a small farmer and. Uh, we have to really be a role model because everybody is looking at us. Of course. So the the better we all run our, uh, our show, the better we will be perceived and grow as fast as the perception is going to change. Yeah, well, we all need to like adapt uh, along the way and contribute when we can. As far as you know, if, if you're making, if your company is pulling in millions a year, you need to kind of think about a way that you can. Payback and like you know, like we had the guy on the show that does this uh, wind orchard company and he has uh, turbines. You know, literally, if you're going to be spending 
$60,000 a month on power, then you might want to buy one of these $65,000 wind turbines and make, you know, 200 grand a year worth, or make, what is it, do we know? made 60 made about 60 grand a year, paid for, <laughs> itself, paid for itself in a year, you know, so, but, but, you know, enough people doing stuff like that, you're actually putting money, you know, putting power back into the system is the, is the key. Exactly. Yeah. Or we just all get Tesla deals, we, all, we need those little Tesla. Yeah, the batteries. We need yeah, those, those batteries, cool. we need to all invest in Tesla. After seeing that rocket, I'd pretty much trust the guy. You're, you're ready. <laughs> I trust that. I trust, I trust that He's guy legit. with my life. I'm like, he can bring a Homie rocket, a rocket. Back down to the ground like that. I'm like, guy. So he blew my mind. <laughs> so uh, on that note, on that uh, note, we are. It's time to do shouts again and wrap it up. Is it? Oh, okay. Yeah, two forty-six. Well, Frenchie and Leo, thank you guys so much for coming on. Uh, we want to, of course, bring you back. We'll bring Gene on with yeah. you. Yeah. Man, thanks for having us. Yeah, man. Uh, of course, uh, happy holidays. Merry Christmas to your the aficionado family, your families. Uh, we'll talk Thank to you, you so soon. much to you guys, too. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for dialing. Whoever, who's doing the dialing? Yeah. That is, must be Frenchie. Yeah, Frenchie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, want an Frenchie. <laughs> I knew it was, Fren- was Frenchie secretly. but I- He's rolling a spliff. <laughs> So, so uh, yeah, we'll definitely get you guys again. Um, yeah, right on. We'll bring you guys back on for for damn sure. Yeah, that would be beautiful, man. Right man, on. thanks for having us oh, on. Uh, where it can was people a, connect a... with you guys? Uh, where can they get the seeds, etc.? Um, you could go to aficionadoestates.com dot com or hit us up uh, at aficionado estates on Instagram. Um, we closed our Facebook account, so if you want to hear our updates and our latest releases, uh, see us on Instagram. Right on. Sounds great, man. Well, Thanks, uh, guys. We'll be in touch soon. Uh, talk to you in the new year. All right. Much, much love, guys. Thank time. you. Take care. Much Enjoy the season. Much Happy holidays. See you guys. Later, guys. Thanks. Bye. Boom. Well, we only got half the crew, but whatever. That's, uh, that's okay. Good. We only we have half know. our crew. We're missing the kid. They're missing me and Gene. Hey, it was a big miss. Yeah, exactly. It was, uh, it's always hard around we're holidays. The champ. So we're missing our champ. They're missing theirs. <laughs> the champs. Oh, the missing champ episode. We're going to have to change the name now. Yep. The show will be called Missing Champs. Um, no shout outs. It was a good show though. It was a good show. Frenchie, I liked it. French guest. Just, just who we said we got to get him back yeah. on, and then all oh, of a sudden sounds so came. awesomely French he when must you have can't. Heard when us. It's just on the phone, huh? When he, when you're only listening to him on the phone, yeah. he's so French. It's awesome. He's so French. <laughs> That's uh, why he's Frenchy. I know. Uh, no, it was a great show. Um, what else? Uh, big big shout out to Way to Grow. Oh, we're doing the shout-outs for people. Oh, yeah. We got to. Got to do the shout-outs. Yeah, That's we're part right. of the deal. Yep. <laughs> Big shout-out to Winnegar. <laughs> uh, actually, I'm probably going to head over there on the way. Going there right now? The gun barrel one that's right here? No, because i got to pick up soil, so I'll probably get it closer to my spot. Uh, the FedEx guy is definitely coming All oh, right. Here. FedEx guy is coming in. You yeah. know what? Those are rosin plates from China. Rosin plates from China. Thanks, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the guy was Chinese, too. He dropped it off. Is that crazy? <laughs> do you think it, we came directly from the He got on a plane. He just got on a plane. The kid's got crazy service here. He's got yeah. straight from the factory. Yeah, that's, that's the champ service. Champ service. Um, way to grow. Way to grow. <laughs> Number one sponsor for the Adam Dunn Show from day one. They got seven locations. The one that I will be going to would be the Platte River one. Oh, so you're not going to go right here in Gumbel? No, I'm not going to go to the Gumbel. It's right here. Get so- I know, but it's, it's you're right here. Then I'm going to drive an all the way back. I got Heavy. I got to load my truck up. Gotcha. For uh, some pick up some soil on the way home and uh, use the Adam Dunn show code. And use the Adam Dunn show code as usual. Uh, they also have the concentrate corner there in case you're needing to make some concentrates during these holiday seasons. You're about to make a concentrated 
turkey. Oh, I'm doing. Hey, I'm doing cyber turkey. Where are you going? I'm going to New Jersey. Oh, you bastard! You should do it on the show. Should I do it on the show? Yeah. One Figure day. out. You do it in, the, in Ryan's kitchen, the Champ's right. kitchen. The Champ's kitchen. Okay, so before we have to move out of here, I'll make everybody a cyber turkey. Yeah, do, yeah, 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 yeah. We'll do good. it as Adam does, and we'll do a we'll do a medicated cider, obviously. So do it next Wednesday. So it's like a New Year's Eve. There you go. Boom. Cyber turkey. But you're not here. It's okay. I'll watch it, and you'll send me some. Okay. There you go. So it'll be uh, cooking with the Champ, right? Yeah. Yeah, the champion chicken. We can go to champion, champion chicken. Chicken champ. <laughs> All right, where are we on? <laughs> Incredibles edibles. Uh-huh. Speaking of delicious food with weed in it. Oh yeah, way to grow. Uh, also, don't you forget your code. You said code. Way to grow. Say Adam Dunn show. That's you your did code. so. Okay, good. Okay, good. Yeah. Incredibles edibles. Best edibles in Colorado. Yeah. Now coming out in Vegas, I think. Yeah, is that? Well, they signed the deal. They signed the deal. We're allowed to say something. Love it. Sign the deal. Done deal. Done. It's a done deal. Uh, how many flavors they got? 13, 14? We, kids not here. We can't count. Nope. Without the kid, there's no there's no counting nope. of, of. We're only worried about Fireberry. Yep. Once in a while on Afgato. Love those. I can mess with a monkey bar, like I said, maybe two. Pumpkin pie. Get them sure, I haven't tried them. Uh, I'm not going to name the rest of them, but there's a ton of them. The Mile High and Mile Higher are great, too. They actually taste like, like Andy's mints. They're really good. Yeah, they, they got. I mean, you got to try them all, of course. Right. And everybody has their own style, and they got a bar for anybody. And uh, yeah, just if they're not in your shop, they have a uh, store finder, a store locator on their website, right? Yeah, at IncrediblesColorado.com. There you go, and so you can get a store locator, find out who's close by, pick some of those up, and then of course we got Mary's Medicinals and Elite, Elite. Cannabis. Uh, our favorite source for CBD. You can pick it up at marysnutritionals.com. Uh, or if you're in Colorado, you can shop for it at your favorite dispensary. Or uh, you can drive right up there and hang out with them. Yeah, or yeah, you can go hang out with Peabody <laughs> at the farm. Peabody. Yeah, they sell it right out of the store too. Uh, if you get it at the dispensary, you can get the THC products from Mary's, which are include the THC. Was that a THCA patch that Bike put on himself that completely But you couldn't him? get that one on mail order. No, no, that you can get in Colorado. Yeah, Yeah, he just went down. He went down like within 30 minutes. Yeah, he was. was, We looked over and he was all. Completely wilted. (laughs) (laughs) Worthless for a show. Bikes a big boy. It was pretty funny to watch. Yep, and it was just that little patch, which is super funny. The kid, the kid does a taint patch, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Champ. You could taint it like the champ. Um, you can check them out at marysnutritionals.com and I believe you'll be able to find a store locator on there as well. Also, a big, big shout out to Build a Soil. Uh, we we're talking about them before. Our favorite resource for organics. Um, you can order pretty much everything you need from there. Get Jeremy on the phone. If you're thinking of running like uh, one of the sub-irrigated planters, that's been a really kind of set it and forget it system that people have been having great results with. Uh, the same as some of these big no-till beds. Uh, is a very simple uh, system that you can kind of. That's what I love about organics. It's lazy. You know that. That's what I know. You, I know yeah, you. you. That's so lazy. Like these, like just this. water. With this, oh. this. What about this? It's lazy. Oh shit! We got to do that after this. That's what we'll do. Being okay. lazy here. Okay. Uh, if you're lazy like me, check them out. Buildthesoil.com. Also, big big shout out, of course, to Dark Horse Genetics, Dark Horse Extracts. Check out Extracted Rosin. It is on the shelves in Colorado at long last. The feedback on social media has been great. Uh, it's really some of the best. Uh, kind Love told me it was the best dab they've ever had. Uh, that was Matt Altman at Kind Love. So uh, it's at Better Dispensaries in Denver, Colorado Springs. Uh, hoping to exp- expand to Fort Collins uh, in the near future. 
and uh, Boulder as well. And you can also check out uh, the AU Extracts Shatter and Live Resin. That's all over the place in Denver, Colorado Springs as well. Um, did someone got a tattoo while they were listening to the show? There you go. That's great. That's cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, did they get a tattoo of a Dark Horse logo? Because that would be even really cool. I bet Jason would give them free seeds for that. Uh, check out more darkhorsegenetics.com. Big new things coming. Don't forget to shop at Jaw Farm. Uh, archive seeds still available. I know a few packs just went out, uh, but there are a few archive seeds left and uh, a few more varieties from some of our favorites. Uh, check them out, darkhorsegenetics.com. Uh, so who sent you that, Adam? Who got a tattoo while uh, while we were doing our show? Like Carl. My brother, Carl? No. No. <laughs> Uh, Carl Sidwell. Oh, nice. Carl Sidwell. Nice. That's a cool, cool tattoo, Carl Sidwell. <laughs> um, you want to give some Christmas gifts away? Yeah, we got these two gifts. Where's the other one? Christmas. 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 Do you do Christmas? Do you Christmas. do Greek Christmas? Christmas. Is it Christmas? What's Christmas for the Greeks? Uh, we do Easter different. Christmas you do, is just pretty Christmas much the same. I mean, your Santa other... doesn't look different or anything. Oh yeah, he's a little more. A little more he looks Greek. different, right? Greek. Yeah, yeah dark, dark beard. Big yeah, dark beard Santa. Yeah, <laughs> no, I don't. yeah, yeah. No, no. Okay, so anyway, we were explaining earlier. Oh, here they have a whole on the back. Good, read it. Oh, you see, this is the inside to the book. That's what makes it. Oh. Now it's all making sense. I knew it looked like part of the book. So, so the tray is the stash that goes in the book. That's yes. cool. Yeah. So basically, this is your starter kit. So if you buy this, or you win this, I should say, or if you buy this, you can uh, well, you then just adapt the book. it to the book. Or you buy the book. And the book is like 200 bucks, and it's like 100 bucks. So so that's sweet. So it's a pretty good deal. And this is the, but this is the guts of it all, because of the magnets and the, the magnetic things here. So these little extra Someone wants to know what would happen if they got an Adam Dunn Show tattoo. I mean, well, obviously they'd be loaded with seeds. I mean, I give them a bunch of seeds. You probably give them a bunch. Yeah, I give them a bunch of seeds. So there'd be a bunch of seeds. Uh, what else could we do? Get them on the show. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, we'll feature you on the show. I mean, I don't know uh, if we fly out or anything like no, that. That'd be no, a bit we'll Skype. We'll, <laughs> we'll Skype you in. We could do a live Skype of the tattoo getting know. done. Yeah, we could do that. We're getting it hit done. Us, hit us up if you want to do. We can do a. Yeah, we can do something good. That would be. But it'd be pretty. It's a good tattoo. It's a good-looking tattoo you got there. Everyone's going to call you Adam Dunn. That's the worst part. They're going to be like, what's up, Adam Dunn? You'll be like, that's not me. It's a it's show. Me. You see the show? Guy. See the word show? Show? <laughs> show? All right. Let's get, how are we going to give these away, Adam? I don't know. I'm gonna, well, uh, this is my hardest thing. I hate coming. I know. You're, hit, you're in we, charge of it because no. I'm leaving town. I'm leaving town, so no, no, you're no, no, going to be in charge no, of the no, Christmas. We to, I'm talking about the actual contest part of it all. How uh, do um, how you do should have them say something from today's episode. No, we should come up with something Something good. better, something about Christmas. Oof, I don't even know. Should they guess yeah. something? Should it be a game of skill or chance? Uh, well... Skill would be cool. Skill, okay. Yeah. So, you have to make a. Oh, let's do. Let Let's get some talent. How about talent? Would be better. Let's make some. Let's do little some, videos. Something we can show on the show. We need to do something we can show on the show so that it would be make it funny. You know, we have to should it be Christmas related or not? Uh, New Year's related, maybe. What about a Christmas card? Make us a Christmas card. What about New Year's? New Year's. Let's think of a New Year thing. A New Year thing. Let's uh, think of a new year. Let's think of a new year. Uh, you know, 
every year I always try to think of like, you know, 2015, da 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 da. You know, 2014. You gotta like, well, I don't know. Get Summarize her, the year that passed. Is that what you're talking about? Give us a give us, give a, us a, a no or, or a future. Give us a oh prediction prediction of the year. Like give Predi- us, 2016 prediction. Best prediction. The best video or written. I mean, video, I'd say it would be Yeah, nice. okay. So you got to shoot a little video with your phone or whatever. And use 2015 as a, in, a, in, a, in a paraphrase that sounds cool. Jeez. Cheesy and cool. It's got to be, you know, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, sure. Yeah, and you think about Adam Dunn's show, obviously. So with this complicated assignment, <laughs> if, you, if you do this, you get what? Both of these things? Yeah, we'll do them as... We'll do them as, we'll do them as you get the, the Chris Mister gift pack. Exactly. That's the pen and the awesome stuff. But it's a New Year's, basically New Year's prediction. We'll know if it's right. We'll, be we'll like, know if it's right. <laughs> we'll, we'll know. We'll judge it. Send it to us, info at adamdunshow.com. Uh, and the answer is that it's going to be a 2016 prediction, not a 2015 wrap-up book, Russell. Yes, 2016 prediction. Exactly. Yes. And where are we at? Shout outs for shout outs? We're at two fifty eight. Two fifty eight. Sounds like shout out time, right? Yup, do it. I think actually Nick and Cece were watching the show. Hopefully. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. See I could have thrown a few Nicks out there earlier, but oh, you know. Huh. My Pellegrino. I can't see Pellegrino without thinking of that. Oh, now. the Pellegrino song is just unbelievable. He's he still sings it. I uh, really? Yeah, he'll still sing it. That's good. That's cool. So cool. Um, so, uh, Cece, my beautiful wife, uh, she's, we're all headed down to the farm. She's down there making gingerbread cookies with oh, Nick right farm now. farm Christmas. They're making gingerbread cookies, and they, we made up, last night we made up all these little ornaments. It was pretty funny. We made a, I made a, uh, D-Money one, which was pretty good. I sent it to him today. Good. I can show you that one. It was pretty damn funny. It's good. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> But uh, yeah, we just did like arts and crafts last night, so it was pretty awesome. Sitting around making little ornaments out of like old weed stickers and stuff that had cool. like just slapped together, you know, perfect. But uh, it was pretty funny stuff. Um, nice. What the hell is thing? And uh, here you go, ornament. Demoni. Oh, there you go, demoni ornament. Good yeah. stuff. Pretty good. And then this one was a handyman. Look at that. Booyah. Boom, handyman. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, shout out to Ace down at the farm. We're coming down there. Transplant fever, cousin Patrick, uh, all the fam. And uh, shout out to the grassroots crew who we're going to be joining up with over at the uh, new spot. Was met up with them last night. It's looking like that's going to be hopefully by right around New Year's, which is only a week from now. We'll be having a little soft opening going on. Nice. So that's coming next week. Yeah. So we'll be able to cut the ribbon. You'll have more. You'll have more info at next week's show. Yeah, because that's definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It'll be right before that. So cool. Info then. Info then. All right, guys. Uh, well, I gotta say, shout out, of course, to my beautiful wife Reese and amazing kiddo Farron. They're in New Jersey now. I'm going to join them there on Thursday, so I will not be here for next show. Thursday. Thursday, next Thursday. Maybe I'll call in, pull an Adam. You gotta, you gotta call. Yep. In. You gotta call in. That's what I gotta right, do. So I'll cook a uh, cyber turkey, I'll, and the kid will be like, Skype what? In it'll be squeaking, it and it'll be, yeah. it'll be pretty good. It'll be actually. good. Yeah, it'll be like a holiday. We can do special. it in there. We'll do it in there. We'll set it yeah, up right in his kitchen. Yeah, 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 yeah it'll exactly. Good. It'll be good. Uh, nice. All right. Well, guys, have a great holiday, and uh, I'm not going to talk to you before then. So have a great New Year, and we'll talk to you soon.